Welcome to Fire Breathing Kittens, a standalone actual play tabletop role-playing podcast. Every episode we play a different rule set, have a varied set of characters, and a self-contained microplot of a complete adventure with a beginning and an end that fits into the overarching macroplot of the whole season. Because they stand sturdily on their own, you can listen to these episodes in any order and skip any you don't enjoy. One thing I didn't mention last episode is that this is a special episode, so was the last one. They're companion episodes, so what we're going to do is have two parties go through the same story and usually get hugely divergent results. Um, today, as we did last time, we're playing using the game mechanics from a game called Rhesus. If you enjoy these mechanics, you can find Rhesus from the website www.drivethroughrpg.com, and that's through spelled T-H-R-U, and search for the game Rhesus, spelled R-I-S-U-S. This rule set is very light, easy to pick up, and well-suited to imaginative roleplay, so our players today should feel right at home. Speaking of players, today we are joined by Errol Kovidbau. Yes, hello, uh, Errol Kovidbau. I am a four-foot-tall halfling. Uh, I have I am wearing a large wide brimmed hat with a feather sticking out. Uh, I have an eye patch over the right eye with a burn scar down the right side of my face, uh, as well as a white puffy shirt, gold rings on my fingers, and some shiny n- holeless boots. Uh, currently, I am practicing a little game of ring toss. I gotta get brushed up on my ring toss skills. Thank you, Errol. Uh, Rufus T. Carbuncle. Uh, Rufus T. Carbuncle, that's me. I am a pirate with a heart of salty gold. I am wearing uh, turquoise colors of sorts, lots of belts. Uh, Hook used to be on my hand, but now I have an articulated wooden glove that is hand-shaped and hand-adjacent that seems to move on its own, and I don't have a lot of control of it yet. I also have ridiculous mutton chops and salt and pepper hair. Thank you, Rufus. And finally, Rain Ilvoby. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm a six-foot-two humanoid-looking woman um, with uh, dirty ash blonde hair, uh, no hat scarf anymore since my horns regrew, and um, dark gray wolf ears, which are no longer concealed by the hat scarf either. Um, I am clad in light adventurous clothes, something like a, a ranger perhaps would wear. <laughs> and uh, as usual, I carry my satchel with all manners of forageables. For if someone in the party wants to punch an NPC in the stomach, and they get a stomach ache like last time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rain. All right. Uh, you are all in the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild Hall. The guild's cozy wooden interior is warm and inviting. In the back, there is a bar a seating area with wooden tables and chairs, and a wall with a cork board where job flyers are normally posted, but there don't seem to be any posted today. It is a Wednesday morning, and there is a mood of confusion and concern in the air. Many guild members await an announcement from Nulisag on new assignments given an unprecedented situation. So while you're waiting, what are the three of you doing? I suppose that Rufus is casually picking up one of the rings that Errol is using for his ring toss game 
with his new wooden hand, and as soon as he picks it up, it probably just flings wildly across the room, and I try to grab my hand like it's alive. Oh, Rufus, are you okay? I I will be as soon as I figure out this confounded thing. Rain um, picks up the ring and, like, brings it back, and also, like, after the round is over, she, like, would grab all the rings and bring them back, and... While everyone is, like, throwing the rings, she's trying really hard not to run after them <laughs> while they're still in the game. <laughs> you, you know, my uh, foster mother used to say idle hands are the devilkin's playground. <laughs> I, I, I think you might need to find a hobby to keep your hands occupied, Rufus. I think you might be right, but there's no hobbies today. It's terribly boring on Wednesday mornings. Do you guys well, a think- hobby. A hobby or an exorcist. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's fair, I suppose. So, while you're discussing Rufus's errant hand, uh, exiting Nulasag's office and coming downstairs, you see an imposing and very muscular Goliath with emerald green eyes and pale bluish-gray skin. He is wearing crisp khaki pants, no shirt, and a black cloak associated with Fire Breathing Academy. He stands at seven foot seven, wields a massive warhammer, and has a determined expression on his face. He addresses the guild. Uh, hello, members of FBK. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Skirmish Killington. Uh, I've just spoken with Nulasag, and I'm afraid his condition is getting worse. He's still in good spirits, though, and expects us to do our jobs as the heroes we signed up to be. Over the past week, the magic users of the guild have reported odd happenings. Increasingly, magic use is becoming unreliable. Sometimes it doesn't work at all. And at times, even the most simple spells can backfire on the most experienced magic users. The city of Nikimoi is beginning to descend into chaos, as many of the normal functions of society that rely on magic have ceased. I will be dividing you into squads with specific tasks. Hopefully, together, we can weather the storm. Please be patient while I hand out assignments. The Goliath starts making his way to the various groupings in the guild and talks briefly to them. Well, that's a little bit, um, ominous, I feel. Maybe that's why my hand doesn't work. If anything, um, maybe your hand works a bit too much. (laughs) (laughs) As it's just flexing and <laughs> thumbs upping and rude gesturing all at once. Thumb five. <laughs> uh, yeah, what happens if I reach up and I grab Rufus? I, I reach out like I'm going to grab Rufus's hand. And if Rufus accepts, I'm going to try and thumb war this hand and see what happens. Uh, yeah, go for it. Um, I would say as you reach for it, hmm, it starts to try to do a complicated handshake at first. <laughs> like your like your bros, you know like what I mean? Like we're old old bros, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so that's where it starts. Uh and and this is completely out of the control of Rufus cuz it's just going wild and so it's doing this complicated handshake and I assume you're still trying to do a thumb war? Yes. Okay. Once it seems to realize that you're trying to do the thumb war, it it not gently but not aggressively, it slaps you away like, "Come on, man. We <laughs> we don't have time for that." So I mean, if you were to read the body language of a hand. <laughs> okay. That's what I was just going to ask. Are we implying a sort of sentience? 
Are you inferring a sort of sentience? I would be. <laughs> okay. Well, then perhaps perhaps there is. We'll see what the adventure. Uh, I think how I it pull, unfolds. I think I step off to the side and I look at the hand and I say, "And can you hear me?" <laughs> it uh, it seems to stop its manic and random configurations and then kind of give you a thumbs up, but then it goes limp. All right, we'll come back to that later. And I walk back over. Rufus. shy. What if the hand's been trying to communicate with you this whole time and it was just frustrated? Well, I don't speak sign language. I am sorry, um, hand, but uh, if that is the case, hopefully now that I am aware of its obvious amazing power that um, we'll be able to go from there and figure this whole thing out. Maybe I'll even be able to hold a sword again. It remains limp for the time being. Sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, I'm gonna see if I can find Skirmish and ask him what our assignment is. Alright. Uh, you see him talking. So, the only ones left in the guild, there's one other group because he's been kind of going quickly through the different groups and then pointing different directions of what, you, of what you imagine would be the city and then giving them instructions and they walk away swiftly. Uh, there's one more group and then your group and he's talking to that other group now. Uh, he sees you coming and he kind of gives you the like one minute. He gives you a, like holds up one finger. He finishes up with them and then he turns his attention to you. Uh, hello. Are you Errol? Uh, that, yes, that's me. Okay. So... I need to talk to you, and let's see, Rufus and Rain, uh, Nulasag's got uh, a special assignment for you. Apparently, you're a pretty crack squad, and we need your help. So if you could join me at this table in the back. I just used my other hand to create a limp thumbs up with my <laughs> animated hand. <laughs> uh, you got it, Skirmish. Any, yeah, let's do it. Let's... And this one's wedding. Oh. Between me and Rain, we actually do have two working eyes. Well, that's good. We're one person together. (laughs) And uh, this one's wearing an eye patch. So is this the one eye club? It is now. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. We are the one eye squad. (laughs) Well, perhaps that's why you're together and why you're getting this assignment. I don't don't know, but we'll see. We're Um, tree clubs. (laughs) so uh i assume you're all sitting around the table and so he's addressing you he goes so as it turns out we have bigger problems than nulasag's health with the increasing disruptions in magic there are these remote magical prisons that have been sealed for generations by the wizards of old uh they contain untold horrors the beasts of legend that have leveled cities and were nigh indomitable and we cannot have that so, Nulasak has called you out, you three, in order to get to the bottom of this dire situation. And I think we have a clue that could help you on your, your journey. So he reaches into his cloak, kind of behind his right side, and he pulls out what looks like a, a it would be an orb, like a crystal orb, except it's a hemisphere. It's like half an orb, flat on the bottom, but rounded on the top. And he places it in the center of the table, and he goes... This is an artifact we had at the academy. 
it uh, was in a classroom, and all it r- really did at the time was detect magic and then reveal the school of magic, so it was very helpful for our students. But about a week ago, this crack developed, and he, he points to a crack that's on one side of the crystal from the apex, the top, all the way down one side. And he says, funny thing is, we think it's pointing the way to the source of the problem. So Skirmish takes the artifact and slowly rotates it. And then what you see is the crack moves within the crystal, but it points in the same direction, like it's static, almost like a compass. So what we need from you is we need you to travel to the suspected source and fix everything. And I know that's a tall order because we don't really know what all is happening. But look around. Society's collapsing. And that's only the beginning. Do you have any questions? So we're not going to the untold horror prison? Ah, uh, no. Hopefully, we're going to try to avoid... We're going to try to fix the problem before it becomes bigger. If, at some point, those, those magical barriers are defeated, then we'll have to reassess. You might be called to, to help out then, but first things first, if we can restore the world as we know it, then everything will be okay. Of course, you're welcome to go to the prisons. It's not... I mean, maybe that's the, the situation. I don't, I don't know. Well, as the... No, no, no. no. <laughs> as the resident um, pirate, I would like to hold the compass artifact. All right, so... Skirmish picks it up and hands it. He puts it in your uh, organic hand. All right, that's a good call. Um, I was gonna say, can I? I also want to like test moving it around and everything. And so the crack seems to point a direction. Yes, okay. a- absolutely. Like you rotate it in three dimensions, and it even, like if you face the flat side, it it, it seems to be facing north. You you as a sailor would know this. Okay, it's facing north. It seems. And, uh, Skirmish, what was the original use of this crystal? Well, really, it was an artifact that was discovered in an ancient temple. And we didn't really know what it was all about. So we just had it in a magic classroom. And so what it would do is detect if spells were happening. For example, if a student was cheating on a test, or if someone is trying to produce magic, but they're not quite getting it right, it would reveal... Like, hey, this is magic has been detected and the school of magic is uh, revealed by a color, apparently. We haven't seen any color coming from the artifact, though, in a week. And it's formed this large crack. Correct, yes. Uh, what size is this crystal, GM? It's palm-sized? Uh, I'd say softball size. Okay. Hmm. So, I- the plan that we have is get up out of our chairs, and go towards the crack. Correct. I, right. I suppose that seems... Uh, well, yeah, you follow the, the artifact indicator, and uh, I will say that there are some... Those of us at the Academy, it's been temporarily shut down, as you can imagine, with magic being the way it is. I myself am going to go out into the streets and help maintain order. Uh, but in the meantime, there are some students that are organizing uh, a ship to, for your disposal if you're interested. You're free to take it. Like a boat ship? Uh, in a way, yeah. I am intrigued. 
Also, can... and I lean over to Errol and uh, <laughs> and Rain, and I say, "You know what's funny? He said that we were a crack team at the beginning of this. <laughs> There's kind of it's multi-layered now. No, we are a crack team. Where I'm from, we have um, we, in, you know, in this backwater village, we have like a um, an idiom, which is like if you go somewhere that's like really far away, it's like the butt of the earth." <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're not going to the butt of yeah. of draws because then we would be heading towards the crack. That would not be good. Skirmish, uh, skirmish hears you, nods, and goes, "That's pretty good. That's really multi-layered." <laughs> <laughs> All right, where where is this ship? Is it? Oh, bad, it's in the harbor. It's at the, in the bay. I I believe it's in the last slip. Uh, from where we are. So you go down to the harbor. You know how to get there, I'm sure. And as you get there, the last slip has the ship. I believe uh, Laika is piloting it. So well, how how sure are we that we can access this from from the water? Or I guess a ship would be as good as any form of transportation if we're just heading north. Uh, well, Laika said it would be a lot easier with his ship. And I don't know the details, but I trust her. Uh, she's been in a couple of my classes. She's a, she's a go-getter, we'll say. Well, you don't have to convince me to get on a ship, so I'm standing up and I want to give him like a weak-handed handshake. <laughs> a limp-handed <laughs> handshake. <laughs> so, just hold are you offering your wooden hand? Yes, of course. The... He, uh, he takes it, <laughs> he looks at it, he takes it to shake, but then all of a sudden your hand comes to life and grips enormously strong and Skirmish is like, oh! Didn't expect that. You got quite a bit of hand strength there, friend. <laughs> of course I do. And I stare into the distance, <laughs> trying to figure out my hand. You could you could say it's quite um lively. Um so despite having a bad track record as far as ships go, I'm willing to go along with this plan. Uh hopefully we'll have better luck uh with a sea dog at our side. Uh, I will give Skirmish a fist bump, and I'll say, uh, thanks for the tip. Uh, we'll do what we can to help settle this situation. Excellent. I knew Nula Sag was choosing properly. All right, I'll leave you to it. I'm going to go outside and see what I can do. Good good, good day, speed Skirmish. Friend. Yes. All right, As... Rain. Hopefully there's no turtles involved in this one. <laughs> yeah. Or eels. <laughs> I'm just going to stay quiet about the fact that there will probably be turtles and eels in the ocean. <laughs> uh, so what do you guys um, what do you guys think about this? Do we should we just go? This is interesting. And I spin around with the compass gem one more time. Uh, how about this? How about we walk towards the location of the boat? And if it happens to point us in the opposite direction, then we don't take the boat. I disagree with this plan, <laughs> but we will see what happens. <laughs> all right. So are you all, I guess, exiting the guild hall? Yeah. Yeah. I pick up one more ring and try to toss it with the hand. Does it go limp? Oh, as, right after the handshake, it went completely limp. Oh, jeez. So you're, right. you're trying to paw at this ring. <laughs> And like, come on, and dig through it, and it's not—it's just not cooperating. All right. Is it—is it your left or your right hand? 
it is my right hand. It was my main hand until it got chopped off. Hey, uh, hey, righty. I like poke his hand. <laughs> hey, hey, righty. We got a mission, and you're a fire-breathing kitten, too, and you need to perk up so we can get this done. Um, the, the hand issues a rude gesture to you. Oh. And, uh, so, and then goes limp again. I've got a Maybe. fine leather glove I could offer you. It perks up, but it seems almost uh, underpowered. Like it's almost getting to where it needs to be, but it's it's shaky. All right. Well, I'll leave your I hand alone. I think it's tired. <laughs> it might be tired. I'm we'll tired try some stuff out. on the ship that we're definitely going to take. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. All right. So you make your way down to the docks. And uh, there are examples as you're walking of these heightened tensioned tensions um, by the people that occupy markets and the docks and everybody's just kind of on edge because of um, what seems to be happening all around you. And uh, for those of you that have been to the docks on a semi-regular basis or walk by them, many of the ships that are normally there are absent. It's like very empty relative to what it usually is and it creates this eerie feeling. Uh, but at the end of the docks, as um, Skirmish mentioned, there's a sleek ship with three connected hulls and two enormous gas-filled sacks floating gently above it. You faintly hear the phrase, fire-breathing kittens, from the ship as one of the crew waves at your group. I don't think that's a standard boat. Do you guys want to go over still? What's the crack doing? <laughs> oh, so you are traveling east to the docks? It is... As you look down at it, it is pointing to your left. Oh, right. It's, it's not directly behind us. We're getting on the ship. <laughs> That's what you said. That is what you said. All right. Let's, let's get on the ship. Uh, I am curious about these gas-filled bags, though. Well, let's go ask and see what the deal is. All right. So uh, as you approach the gangplank up to the ship, you see a human woman in her late 20s, early 30s, and she's sizing up your crew. She has flaming red hair, porcelain skin, and light green eyes. She's dressed in a, a dull green captain's coat with a lot of brass buttons on it and small epaulets on the shoulders. She's got this large sailor's cap and then a big green feather poking out. And she says to you, Welcome to the FBS Phoenix, you scurvy dogs. Are you lot the ones that are going to save the world? Yes. <laughs> ah. Perfect. Hopefully. <laughs> well, then welcome aboard. Ah, uh, wonderful. And I clamber aboard and immediately start just walking the ship, checking all of the things. Oh, checking... She can tell. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say checking like the rigging and the, and the s polish of the wood, that sort of thing. The sea's she calling can... for him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She can tell by your uh, manner, your the way you're attentive to detail and what you're checking. She turns to you and like, oh, I see you're a fellow uh, seaman, in a way. So have you been on the, the waves for a while? All my life, except for a small period of time where I've gone on adventures with the fire-breathing kittens. But otherwise, all my life. And also a period of time where I was stranded on an island but otherwise, all my life. Ooh. I would like to interview you after this. I'm, uh, my name's Captain Said before, and, uh, 
I'm doing a graduate thesis on the importance of showmanship in sailing and swashbuckling. And it sounds like you would know quite a bit about that. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, your name was Captain Sepifor? Uh Yes, Captain said before, like I said before. <laughs> uh, do you care for some licorice? I will produce my uh, cigarette case and open it up and hand her a piece of licorice. Hmm. I think I would. I believe that's good luck on the seas. Am I right? Uh, by the way, what are your names? Oh, right. I am Rufus T. Carbuncle, and I have never had licorice on a boat before. Well, here you go. <laughs> Maybe it is good luck. She crinkles her nose at the word boat, and she says, Sir, this is a ship. <laughs> well, you know what they say about boats and ships. And sizes. I do. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm Rain, and this is about the fifth time I've seen the sea, so... Well, pleasure to meet you, ma'am. Uh, it will be a little bit different, this journey. Um, we're not precisely going to follow the traditional rules of, uh, sailing on the sea, as this is a specially made ship, and we'll be actually traveling through the air, which I believe should help us get to our destination a bit better. It was created by a man named Vulcan Ornifex, uh, a fine uh, craftsman and artificer. But what's unique about this ship, it's 100% mechanical. We're choosing this ship because of all the magical nonsense that's going on, the interference. So this ship shouldn't be affected. Um, speaking of that, GM, what kind of effects have we seen as we were passing through? Like, did we see, like, this magic gone awry? I mean... I'm I'm not imagining like fires in the streets or anything, but have we seen examples of it since we've been headed towards the ship? You see, yeah. So buildings are kind of out of sorts, either like via explosion or scorch marks or like sometimes upside down or in the wrong place. Uh, you'll see horses that are dancing, but uh, on their rear legs, like a person would be like doing the Charleston. Um, and so Curates. you can see, and people are afraid to try to correct it because uh, what's happening is as people try to cast spells, sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes it works and does something completely different. And then if they try to fix that thing, something else completely different may happen. And so they're, they're just trying to keep things the way they are. But also um, the train system, for example, is magically enhanced. And so it's not running. And th those are just some of the brief things you saw between the guild hall and the docks. Um, one thing I would like to say, GM, is that um, because of previous experiences, uh, Errol, before we board the ship, is going to fill two large water skins and bring them with them. <laughs> uh, you have these water skins on you? Yes. Okay. You're filling them with seawater or regular water? No, like, I just want to make sure I know when I fill my water skins that they're coming from, like, the local water source and I know how they're filled, and that no one has tampered with them. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. Like a token of sorts? No, uh, due to previous experiences with people tampering with water on ships, it was a episode previous. Got it. Or a couple episodes okay. previous. So, like uh, said before, how long have you been... A captain, and also, could you clarify when you said this was a ship that was going to go into the sky, 
Yes, well, I believe I can answer those questions quite well. I've been a captain for, well, since I was knee-high to my mother, Gronya. Um, she would take me on the sea. She was quite an experienced uh, pirate queen, to be honest with you. And um, I just, I love the sea. I don't know how to explain it. And uh, all I've ever wanted was to captain my own ship, and this is my first opportunity. Um, but to answer your second question, and she points up at the enormous gas-filled sacks, uh, this is an airship. We won't be sailing on the waves. We'll be pl plunging through the sky. I'm not sure how I feel about that. But I do it's love being on a ship. Um, well... Technically, Rufus, the clouds are made of water vapor, so... I don't know that that helps, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. So, uh, Laika, you said your mother's name was Grunya said before? Oh, no, actually, her name was Grunya Niwalia, but uh, it's a complicated history. Well, uh, I suppose the magic crack isn't getting any smaller, so... If we have all of our um, rations and water, perhaps we should get birding. In oh, I was the gonna air. say get. We should you say get cracking. Get cracking. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> she she observes the three of you laughing, and isn't quite in on the joke, and goes, "All right," and so she calls over to uh, the. Two teenage boy crew members. Uh, one of them is a human male. One of them is a tiefling male. And they, they go lift the, the gangplank to get ready to sail. Uh, she says, all right. Um, do you have a course that I can start plotting ahead into? Two things. First of all, I would like to see the ship's wheel. And second thing, yes, we have a course. All right. Well, join me at the wheel. Okay, and I could I, always use a, well, I'd say a second set of hands, but it looks like you need a hand yourself. Yeah, no, I, it's your <laughs> ship. I wouldn't want to take over. Bring I just want to be hands. a part of it. Very well. So she, she leads you to the helm, okay. and there's this beautifully polished mahogany wheel. Traditionally, um, you know, you've seen movies, or been on ships, or driven them perhaps. So <laughs> there's a wheel, and it's it's beautiful. And, and I... Uh, Go ahead. I was going to say, if unless there's more descriptor for the wheel. Uh, Brass accoutrement okay. to kind of decorate it, but nothing, nothing ostentatious. And I look at her and I say, now you say that your mother was a pirate queen. This That's correct. This wheel is not quite up to pirate standards. And I pull off the ship's wheel shield that I've been using for years that has like a skull in the center and it's all busted up and covered in like old barnacles. And I say, I'm just saying, if you want to feel how a pirate ship might feel, you could use this one instead. Old barnacles and contrary to young barnacles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I also place the a gem on the rail next to the wheel and I say, but also this is where we are going. Towards ah, she, she the crack. She takes, uh, she examines the artifact, says, hmm, interesting. Very well. Well, I will say, I would like a more proper pirate ship, but this was built by the Academy, and of course they have to build it to certain specifications. Um, 
Yes, I'd be. I'd love to hear more of your stories. I, I'm sure it'll be a long journey. And so she secures the the gem. Uh, she pushes some buttons and then she speaks into a pipe that's just off the helm, and says, "Ready to go." Uh, the phoenix whirs to life, and it, as opposed to like launching into the water, it it begins to glide smoothly into the sky. And as you rise higher, the the tumult of Nicomoy slowly starts to fade. And you can see just, it's super clear. You can see the features of the coast becoming more prominent. And uh, she she changes the heading to match the artifact. And you, you begin your journey. Rain <laughs> is clinging on to the nearest place <laughs> she can cling on to for dear life. <laughs> um, the captain sees you and is sympathetic. It's like, look, um, sailing isn't for everyone, and I know you've got a special job to do. Um, perhaps there are things that need to be done on the ship. If it would take your mind off things, we could have you do some things in the galley where you don't have to see out. Would that help you? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, perhaps, yeah, maybe. And, like, her, her ears are kind of, like, laid back, <laughs> like, on the back of her head, and she's just like, mm, yep, <laughs> Maybe it's good. It's high. We're high up. This is high. <laughs> it is, but thankfully it's smooth, and so we're not going to have too many um, bumps. I don't believe uh, being on the waves is very different. Let me tell you, a lot more Jocelyn. Uh, so I'll try to be sympathetic to you, and uh, and she looks at Errol and Rufus and says, "Hey, you two, uh, come here. Um, not everything was properly prepped to my satisfaction." And I'll, I'm going to need some help, if you don't mind. Um, going to need some help making uh, rope ladders, preparing food, uh, maintaining the engine, maybe even steering the ship. Uh, we also <laughs> have some ballistas on board that need to be readied in case we run into trouble. Well, do any of those jobs sound appealing to you? Well, um, uh, I stumble over my words a little bit. I'd love to, uh, of course, steer the ship, but I also know that um, there are more important tasks, and you are the captain, so I will go where is most necessary. I like what about you working, two? I like working with rope, so... Okay. Um, I can have that be done not on the deck. Usually we do it here on the deck, but if you're scared, or sorry, not scared, but... <laughs> If that's not your preference, we'll say, we can have it uh, below deck. Well, I wouldn't want to cause a disturbance of any kind. I'll just, I'll get by. Rain, if All you right. sit down on the deck, like you could, you could even almost lay down. It just looks like you're on a normal boat. You can't see the ground. That so it's it's just the sky. It's fine. With how much like fervor did you say the sit? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow. Uh, I think medium fervor. <laughs> <laughs> you might just sit down. <laughs> okay. Be like, rain sit. <laughs> <Rain's> like, okay. <laughs> um, Errol has had a little recent experience in the kitchen and wouldn't mind helping out. Perfect. I'll have my crew members do the other jobs. Uh, you, Rufus? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I, I don't know how many times you've been able to fly a ship, but I would love it if you could help us. I could I could be alongside you if it would help you get the hang of it. And, you know, it, it would help me greatly. And perhaps you could learn something new. 
Well, in my youth, I was uh, full of confidence, and uh, I would have maybe told you that I needed no help, but I have flown an airship approximately 0% of the time, so I've learned a lot with the fire-breathing kittens. I wouldn't mind a little bit of help, I think. Perfect. So what we're going to do is for each of your assigned jobs, uh, I want you to find a cliché associated with your character sheet that may help with that job and then roll the appropriate number of dice for the cliche. Uh, for the listener, the way characters are assembled is they have a certain number of points and they put them into cliches. And these cliches allow them to invent ways to get past problems. And they can be, you roll a certain number of dice depending on their level. And it helps you get over a target number. Or if you're in combat, they help you in combat. So in this case, we're just doing target numbers. Well, I have my primary cliche of pirate with a heart of salty gold, so <laughs> I have five dice in that. So, right. and I just roll and add them up, right? I'm just trying. That's correct. Okay, yes. that's what I thought. All right. Oh boy, that is a twenty-two. <laughs> you, uh, you, you get well over the target number, and you. It just seems super natural. Not it is incredibly natural. The feeling that you have in steering this ship, it you're just all those years on the sea. You know exactly what to do. You know exactly how to to move it. And in addition to that, there's some pitching that you can do that seems just to also come naturally to you. This is fantastic. It's like being on a calm sea all the time, but then you can also like go underwater. And it, the, the metaphor doesn't work. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Rain or Errol, you want to list a cliche and uh, explain how that can help you achieve your goal? Best I can do is foraging um, because her foraging comes from uh, that basically like in her village, they would procure everything from like nature and then like turn it into things so they weave baskets and stuff i think that's a wonderful explanation and i will accept that that is an eight that does pass and so you end up um making the rope ladder to the the standard that was already there you're actually adding to an existing one and making it even longer because a ship rope ladder is one length but an airship rope ladder may need to be much much longer She's All right, like, what about you? Oh, she's ahead. weaving this, and it's like, please don't ever let me be on this. Please don't ever let me be on the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> Errol, how's it going with the food prep? Uh, so, I didn't specifically get a cooking one, but swordsmanship involves a lot of precise use of, you know, certain motions. So I'm thinking I'm slicing these vegetables very precisely with my rapier, uh, as well as excellently using my utensils in my cooking. So I would like to roll swordsmanship for, for my cooking. Uh, I'll let you do it, but I need you to... Can you be more precise with the type of food that you're going to end up with? Because slicing vegetables I can see. Well, but... we are on a ship, so... I'm thinking it's going to be a lot of dry goods and perhaps some vegetables. So I'm thinking of vegetable stew. So, you know, I'm finally slicing all these vegetables to put in the pot. Uh, 
you know, I'm uh, Drake is currently stirring, and I'm like, Drake, f- figure eight, figure eight. You d- <laughs> <laughs> that works. Okay, go ahead and roll for that. Ugh, it's not very good, probably because I use swordsmanship. Uh, nine. <laughs> that actually passes, and so, um. Thankfully, you pick something that was not super complicated, and uh, you accomplish your goal. You, you slice the vegetables. It's in the stew. The stew is um, boiling, and a pretty good, not like a rich, attractive aroma comes out, but like a, oh, okay, yeah, I, I can tell that's food, and I'm hungry, and that smells good type aroma. You know what I mean? I often do that, and oh, I can tell that's food. I'm doing <laughs> right. all right. <laughs> But that's that's a good thing. No, yeah. If it doesn't smell good or like edible, then you would be like, uh, maybe I shouldn't be serving this. That's true, (laughs) right? Okay. As you're doing, as you're um, traversing through the sky, doing your respective jobs, you start to hear a loud and strange rumbling off the port bow, which for you landlubbers is the front left part of the ship. Now, is this rumbling seem to be emanating from the ship? No, it's definitely in the distance oh, okay. off the ship. Oh, okay. Uh, rumbling off the port bow, Captain. She looks over. She goes, hmm, wonder where that's from. The sky's completely clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, do any of the other two of you care about this um, or notice this or Errol will run up and he actually has a spyglass that he got in a previous adventure and he'll use his spyglass to try and spy what is on the uh, port bow off the port bow side okay uh, Rain are you still uh, weaving your rope holding on to something <laughs> okay <laughs> as soon as you hear the rumbling you're just like Arr. cool so don't crash don't uh, crash don't crash <laughs> <laughs> what you begin to see as you look in that direction is some strange green lightning emanating outward from a fixed point in the sky. Uh, and a moment later, you see an oblong portal rapidly open. And it's about the size of an American football field uh, or a slightly narrower version of the Wembley Stadium football pitch. If that's <laughs> your thing. Um, out of the portal comes a huge and terrible storm equivalent to a category one level hurricane. Now, is anything happening with the, well, um, artifact, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, so you look down at the artifact, and it does not seem to be uh, affected at all, except okay. now it's starting to get wet. Uh, I'm uh, assuming uh, anybody who's up here is seeing this large portal. Uh, yes, well, if yeah, if you were looking in the direction of the rumbling, which it sounds like all of you were, except for possibly rain... <laughs> um, you would see it develop, but then once it's the storm appears, you all notice the storm because the winds are fierce, the rain is just pelting you, and I'm not pelting uh, anyone. <laughs> no, the, the <laughs> thank you. Uh, well done. Mm, perhaps it's snow then that's pelting you, so it's not. <laughs> I don't want to throw you under the bus, rain. <laughs> um, but when this happens and the winds, so it's like category one winds, which I looked up is between 64 and 82 knots, or 74 and 95 miles per hour, or 119 to 153 kilometers per hour, just so you get an idea. That is a so lot. So this begins to start uh, making the ship pitch and sway, and it starts tilting 
uh, to the starboard side, like away from the storm, but um, it's pushing the bags, which are making the whole tilt. <laughs> Rain, so, Rain, would, Rain would look at the captain, like still holding on to whatever she's holding on to, and just be like, you said it wouldn't jostle. <laughs> <laughs> so the captain... Uh, begins to hold on to uh, there are there's a little bit of rigging by the helm like uh, uh, masts ropes things like that and so she just grasps on for dear life initially uh, what and then while she's doing that the two crew members that were helping doing the other jobs they start sliding toward the starboard side and run into uh, the railing of this ship has like steel cabled ropes around and so they run dead into that and they're kind of caught. And But one of them starts to kind of flip over the ropes and grabs on to the cable. Uh, you also all begin to slip toward that direction unless you can motivate me with a cliche and an appropriate role. Oh, uh... Well, you said, Rain, you were grasping on already. So I think if you just keep grasping, you're probably fine. I feel like... Rufus would both be caught off guard and one-handed uh, because the other <laughs> one's not working. So I don't think that he would have a real great way of hanging on, admittedly. Um, I think I would start fumbling for my hook hand to see if I could use it as like a grappling thing. A hook, you mean? <laughs> yes, a hook, if you will. <laughs> All right. Um, why don't you roll an appropriate cliche for that action? I'm going to go with once a great swordsman because it's my least least good cliche. It seems fitting. <laughs> I rolled a seven. Not bad. That is not quite enough yeah. because of the suddenness and severity of the pitch. You try to cling on with your hook. But in the action of trying to swap out the hand for the hook and do everything, by the time you go to hook onto something, you've already slid past uh, anything that you would have normally been able to hang on to. Oh, so no. So you start sliding toward those ropes. Errol? Can, can Rain, in that moment, um, because she's a scaredy cat, but she's also started being braver because of her friends, <laughs> can Rain, in that moment, like... Use her werewolf cliche to like transform and like claw into the wood of the ship. Is it wood? Um, yes. In this game system, you can do anything, but you you need to explain how you're doing it and justify it, and then we roll for it. So absolutely, yes. She would, yeah. She would like transform to get like her claws and kind of like try and do like a mountain climber thing where she just like uh thrusts her claws into like the wood and tries to like keep Rufus from falling off the boat. Nice. Ship, sorry. Go ahead and roll for that. <laughs> Thirteen. That is enough. Uh that you pull off this spectacular transformation and leap and you cling to the deck. Your your claws sink deep in, uh with the exception of the whatever limb you're using to catch Rufus, but you catch him <laughs> by his coat, and then you kind of push him to the deck as well. I think Rufus was cackling the whole time. <laughs> 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 uh, that was wild. Um, GM, for me, I'm thinking... 
because I do tend to borrow objects at times. I'm thinking <laughs> while I was in the kitchen, uh, I might have encountered perhaps a grappling hook that might have been set aside in the wrong place, and I nicked it. And I found this is an opportune time to use it to try and find myself a better footing on the deck. All right. Um, what cliche are you going to use for that? Uh, thief, retroactively. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if your thief skill allowed you to pick that up. I got a 14. Yeah, that's well more than enough. Nobody else is in the galley except for Drake. And I don't think he has a problem with you picking that up. And so... Uh, with, with that new and precisely, uh, perfect tool for this situation, you manage to swing it around, uh, one of the masts, it catches, and you're hanging on pretty securely. Uh, but also you are in the doorway of the galley, so it's not like you're falling off to the other side, but you are secure kind of walking on the side of what would be the, the walls that flank the doorway that go down, you know what I mean? So you're you're secure. Um, Laika uh, says, "I need someone to help my crewmen while I try to steer us out of the storm." And so she tries to make her way to the wheel and starts tilting to the right. And so as she does so, lightning starts flashing from the storm. I look at Rain, who is a werewolf and grabbing me, and I say, <laughs> "Where's that rope ladder?" Uh. She probably let go of it when she hung on to something. All right. Can I look around for it? Sure. Uh, it, it, you would have known where Rain was working on it because you, you were piloting the ship and she was on the deck and you know where she was. And so you know where the rope ladder was. And that doesn't need a roll per se. I think okay. it's intuitive. Uh, but you do see it's still kind of clumped together and it has not unfurled, but it's on the port side of the ship and it's kind of starting to tilt okay yes I, I would like to go for the rope ladder and send it towards the gentlemen that are falling from a higher part in the ship so they could like climb up it cool uh tell me which cliche you intend to use for that um it's it's still probably pirate with a heart of salty gold because oh, yeah i am trying to help and i say and i probably i probably look at rain and i say Come with me, and we and I bound awkwardly towards the rope ladder, and I would like to take my hook hand back off, tie a line around it, and jab it into the deck as like extra support for the rope ladder. Nice. And then unfurl it. All right, let's see what happens. Uh, not that great. It's a ten. That is enough, oh, but boy. just barely. Okay. <laughs> and so, um. You manage to do exactly as you've stated. You, you pierce the deck with your hook and uh, pin the rope ladder in place. And I didn't, or did you say you were going to unfurl it? Yeah. Okay. So it unfurls. It reaches beyond where they are. So it kind of falls past the ship because thankfully rain was able to make the rope ladder long enough. And so it is within their reach. Um, the captain is struggling still with the ship and still trying to turn it. And says, if any of you could help me, I would appreciate it. Well, I think I'm busy. Um, when Rain sees that, like, the ladder and everything is working out, she would probably climb, <laughs> uh, climb towards the steering wheel, like the helm, 
because she's very strong. <laughs> so if it's strength that they need, then she might be able to help. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, she's like, I, can, I need to turn it more to the right, but the winds are so strong. And so I don't think you need to roll to climb there. I think you've got that under control, but I will need you to roll a cliche and help explain how you are helping her. Um, I would once again roll on the werewolf cliche because that's how she gets like her superhuman strength or like that's the source of her strength. Nice. Okay. Go ahead and roll. 19. Oh, nice. It, this was going to be a higher target number and you, you nailed it. So perfect. You surprise Laika. And so as you turn the wheel with your massive strength, she actually goes around the wheel because she's holding on, she's grasping it, but you lift her off her feet because you so easily turn the wheel. And she, she gets very wide-eyed, but the, the ship starts to turn. And uh, as it turns out of the storm, it begins to level off a little bit. It's not as pitched. and uh, But lightning does strike one of the masts um, that's helping support the, the balloon structure. That, like they're not, they don't go all the way up like a sail would, but they're helping support the balloons. A vast yon mizzen mast has been scuttled. <laughs> what? <laughs> she, Laika hears that through the storm and says, What are you talking about, you crazy loon? Um, I, I would also like to, uh, while this is happening, to try and assist Rufus and these crew members, I would like to f- take the rope from the grappling hook and kind of... Um, Repel down, sort of, down closer to where they are, and uh, if I could, try and use smooth talking to just, like, encourage them. Like, you've seen tough skies before. You're an experienced crew. We can get through this. We just gotta work together. All right. Yes, I think that works. Go ahead and roll. I got a 12. Oh, man. You you tickle their ears with your silver tongue. Uh, Not... Literally, that's kind of gross. Uh, let me rephrase that. Your words are extremely effective. And, uh, oh my gosh. Anyway, they, uh, they, they steal themselves and they're able to reach for the rope ladder without, they're, they're able to overcome the fear that they're feeling of falling off the airship. They, they reach for the rope ladder and they start climbing furiously. And now they're still hanging a bit, but they're, they're grabbing onto the rope ladder. And Rain, you did a fantastic job with the rope ladder. It does not collapse. And they do not fall off uh, into the plains of Albion. So, hooray. Hooray. <laughs> um, and as you're helping her turn, it's still shifting away from the storm, leveling off. Things are getting, uh, there's still lightning, there's still rain. But uh, all of a sudden, and as quickly as it came, the storm disappears. Like the portal reappears, the storm disappears, the portal disappears. And it's as clear as it was moments ago. How's this crack doing? Um, you make your way over to the helm. It, it was, it's still facing north. Like the orientation of the ship shifted to get out of the storm. Uh, and so you're probably facing northeast, but it's still facing in the same general direction. Hmm. And I think what you're asking is, did that storm that came out of nowhere affect which way the crack was pointing? And the answer is no. Well, that was exciting. That was terrifying. Well, of yes, of course. It was both. <laughs> no one died, though. 
GM, is my soup completely spilled at this point? I imagine <laughs> it's dumped on the floor. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it It is all over the wall. So as the ship tilted, it completely poured out and splashed on the floor and the wall that would be to its right or east or I guess starboard side. In, in that case, uh, I will try to quickly go down and produce peanut butter sandwiches for everybody. <laughs> I'm not going to make you roll for that because those are super easy to make. Yes, that works. Um, Laika will kind of breathe. She's making sure the crew's okay, but she's stealing herself as the captain. She's like, well, that was a bit rough, wasn't it? Um, I need, uh, we should probably check the... The systems of the ship to make sure the integrity is good. Um, let's split up. Once you've collected yourselves, take your time, and then we'll figure out where we are. Can I? But she's she's surprised at the suddenness of this storm. Okay. Can I put my animated hand back on, and I want to look at it and be like, "Wasn't that exciting, hand?" And see if the hand has changed or reacted in any way, shape, or form to the storm. It uh. As you're looking at it, I guess palm facing you, it turns so it's palm down and it kind of wiggles weakly side to side. <laughs> <laughs> like, eh. oh, no, dog. And then it goes limp again. All right. Well, I look to the captain and I say, Captain, I would like to check the rigging. Yes, I think that would be appropriate. Wonderful. And I gleefully clamber because of my excitement in being on a ship once more, up to where the lightning struck. Okay. So you, you would be by where one of the uh, sacks interface with the mast, so kind of the connection point. You're, you're going up that direction, just to give you an idea. Okay. Uh, would any of you, would any, well, I guess uh, the small one went to go to the galley, I suppose. Uh, and she looks up at you, Rain, Surprised that you were a werewolf. It's like, uh, thank you, number one, for your help. If you don't have to do anything if you don't want to, because she's a little I... bit intimidated by <laughs> how large and strong you are. I, I, I believe that it's very important to check below deck for uh, holes. I will check below deck. We don't want fish there. <laughs> Airfish, <laughs> flying fish. So I will go. <laughs> she she's just still kind of in awe of you and she's nodding her head and like yeah yeah it makes it makes perfect sense yes uh that would be delightful when she walks now she leaves little holes everywhere because she's like still like god oh god oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right and so while you're doing that the other two crew members uh go off they're given assignments by the captain and uh, while, let's see, Errol and Rain are below deck, are you in the same area? Or I guess, Rain, you're just kind of going throughout the ship, right? Just somewhere where there's no sky that's visible. Um, I would or definitely no find below. Rain. I'm sorry. I would definitely find Rain and bring her a peanut butter sandwich first. Nice. She would appreciate that and it would get stuck on like her gums. <laughs> and <laughs> and you're just constantly looking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> while you are uh, exchange giving her the sandwich and she's consuming it, and you're together, both of you notice a streak of movement to your right, uh, below deck. It looks to be the size of a person, but you're not sure. 
Like uh, an arrow sized person or like a rain sized person? Uh, somewhere in between. <laughs> Maybe more arrow size. So human rain size. Um, yes. Without getting closer to this figure, do I see any other signs of someone having been in this area? Um, no, you don't. Like no food crumbs or like... Well, do you have a cliche that would help? I have sleuthing. Oh, well, why don't you roll and tell me what you're doing? Uh, I'm attempting to see, like, you know, if they're a stowaway, which I'm guessing this would be if they're hiding down here, uh, you would probably find, like, crusts of bread or um, perhaps, like, a folded blanket where someone was sleeping. So any sign that someone has been stashed away uh, below decks. And I got an 18. Okay, that's a very, very good number. And so I will say, you, you do see footprints, but two sets of footprints. One is more human, and one is like a cat. Um, but they seem to they seem to connect almost. They don't overlap, or they're not beside each other. They're in line. And um, you also see evidence of some crumbs around where the footprints were. Or are. Does it, does like the area smell like crew? Like what? Um, Rain probably can tell the scent of like the crew to oh. like a foreign one. Yeah. Well, why don't you use Roll a cliche? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> it's big werewolf time today. <laughs> We're going over. <woo. laughs> 20. 20. Woof. Okay, so what you discover is it does smell like the crew, but there's a subtle difference. Like, almost as if um, it's a mask of the smell of the crew over an inner smell, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a core smell that you don't recognize and is of someone or something that is alive that you're not familiar with, that you haven't met so far. Um... I will look at Rain for a second, and I will, like, put my hand over my mouth. And then I will run real quickly and get, like, a little saucer of milk, and I will place it next to a peanut butter sandwich on a crate. And I will say, um, Rain, I actually need your help in the galley real quick, if, if you don't mind. And I will, like, gesture back towards the door. And walk towards the door and kind of, like, hide and, like, peek over to see if anyone comes out to grab the sandwich. Okay. Uh, you do that. I'm not going to make you roll for that. I think uh, you rolled pretty well earlier and it's still sleuthing. Um, it takes a minute or two, but you do eventually see a pair of very bright yellow eyes kind of poking around and they're cat eyes. And it starts stalking its way toward the bowl of milk and the sandwich. And looks around very cautiously and starts drinking the milk. Rain would have turned back into humanoid form to hide behind the crate, so she's smaller. Oh, oh thank you for letting me know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that it, you're more successful at hiding. And so there is a cat with uh, it's a gray cat, uh, striped yellow eyes, and then has a collar with what looks like a bell. I will encourage Drake to walk towards the cat. How big is Drake? Um, the size of a Datsun, roughly. <laughs> okay. I, um, large. Okay. Um, 
as Drake. Oh, I, I meant like a mini Datsun, I was thinking. Sorry, not a standard Datsun, which are much bigger. Sorry, my, my first car was a Datsun. Oh, you were thinking a car. Hatchback. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whoa, that's huge. <laughs> a, a wiener dog, a small wiener dog. Oh, Dachshund. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking the car Datsun. <laughs> okay, very, very different things. Okay, Dachshund. Uh, yes. Oh, then he's able to to go up and kind of, as they do, very happily. And the cat looks and darts toward the door where you're at. And then I will jump out in front of it and try and grab it. All right. Do you have a cliche that would help you do that? I guess thief is the best I've got. And I, yeah. I guess I'm trying to like sneak attack it, but with my hands. Steal the cat. In a non-lethal way. Cat nothing. <laughs> Uh, I got a 10 total. Uh, you actually barely miss this cat. It's extremely Ooh. nimble. And it uh, right when you think you've got it, it slips through and runs up the stairs and out onto the deck. I mean, where's it going to go? <laughs> Good Do point. I, and um, now you see um, Drake is now eating the peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> left by the bowl. Of course it does. <laughs> Good duck. <laughs> hmm. He deserves it. I will walk over to Rain, and I'll be like, well, the cat got away, but I think there's someone still down here. Right? Well, considering the f- footprints, assuming you told Rain about it, <laughs> um, are kind of one, perhaps the cat is the someone? Oh, they, they have your powers, sort of. Yeah, true, maybe a druid. Also, even if it ran away, like, what is it going to do? <laughs> Turn into a flying fish. <laughs> um, so perhaps I go up on the deck and you wait down here to make sure it doesn't go back in its hidey hole. Sounds about right. I can hide as a mouse, perhaps. I will go back up deck uh, and try to see if I can find this cat. Okay. Um, Did I see the cat? Uh, what were you doing? I'm I was actually just going to come to you and see. I'm still in the rigging looking at lightning damage in theory. No. Okay. So you're looking up, and it would be below you. You might have had an opportunity to see it run below you, but I think you were more focused on doing your job. You know, you're you're a hero. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'll say that it darted past the captain, and then it wasn't seen after that. Um, then you see uh, the two crew members, the tiefling and the human, walking back from their respective jobs, like talking to the captain, like, yeah, they're, they're done with what they needed to do. And all of a sudden, uh, as the captain is piloting the ship, the wheel becomes completely loose and uh, it, it just free spins, but the ship isn't moving at all. And so she's, she's it's like, I've lost control. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what's happening. Did I hear that? And so, uh, Yes, she said it loud enough so that the crew members there... Probably Errol if he came up on deck, and then you would have heard it. Okay, mm, I'm going to... Real quick, did I see anything in the rigging that implied that it was problematic, or...? No. In fact, um, surprisingly, the wood was a little scorched, but the, the sacks are very uh, robust, and the lightning didn't seem to really have any lasting or... Um, damage that would have affected their performance. Okay. Well, then I would like to slide down the rigging and head over to the captain and say, what's wrong? 
You got no steerage? Correct. I don't. I don't. It's, it's as if uh, the the wheel is is free spinning. It it doesn't uh, it doesn't steer the ship anymore. Maybe something's wrong with the connection to the rudder. And I look at well, that was... my team. <laughs> okay. Uh, she. I was going to say uh, she. She does say that Koa. That's the the human crew member. Is like well, that was Koa's job. He was supposed to check to make sure that the controls are working. And she points, but he's not there. Koa. What didn't so we just, just see him? For your reference, there were two crew members: Koa and Simon. Simon is the tiefling. Koa is the human. I didn't. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Sorry. Uh, they were there. Uh, when she mentioned that she didn't have steerage, they were surprised. And then you came down, and while she was looking up at you coming down, Koa isn't there anymore. Well, Koa probably you, you ran below. Say, you could say he did not cooperate. <laughs> uh, I think I would be like, Koa went down to figure out what was wrong. We should, I will go and find him. And I, I don't know, a gesture to my team. Do you guys want to come? Um, Rufus, I just real quickly, I'm unfamiliar. Now, on a ship that's in the ocean, the rudder changes it in the water to change the direction of the ship. I am not familiar with how that would work on an airship. Do you have any clue? Uh, I suppose, and I look towards, like, uh, I have... I'm just grasping at proverbial straws. I assume there's a rudder, but maybe not. Maybe there's something else. Well, there's a form of a rudder. It's uh, so kind of, I'm trying to think of the term that a plane would have on the tail, ailerons or... Oh, yeah. No, it's also called a rudder, actually, I think. Okay, yeah. So uh, then, yeah, there's there's a rudder, but it's more of an air rudder. It's the way it was designed. Number one, it was composed of pieces of other ships that didn't quite make the cut, so that's why it's called the Phoenix. So it has a lot of similar architecture, I guess, of what a normal ship would have, but it's also meant to be controlled like a normal ship, so sailors like me and, and Rufus here can can pilot it. So it should have the similar linkage. I, I, I don't know, Koa was supposed to check it. If I, if I look down on the aft section of the ship, can I see the rudder from the railing? Uh, yes. Do I see anything off? Is it not moving at all? It's it's kind of, you can tell it's not firm in place. It's just kind of drifting as if it wasn't connected to anything. And the connections would probably be beneath, like, in the bottom of the hull, right? Right. I mean, maybe. <laughs> so, Laika, real quick, and you, you look and see Rufus's eyes are really wide. You mean to tell me that they made a ship out of other ships that shipwrecked? I wouldn't say shipwrecked. They, they were trying to make an airship that was pilotable and um, wouldn't, what's the term, self-destruct mid-flight. And it took a couple of tries. I mean, it is a school after all. These are students putting it together. But it wasn't until we got a master craftsman to, to get all these pieces. We're also underfunded as an educational institution, so we couldn't exactly keep spending money on new materials, so he was able to cobble this together. All right, I suppose, uh, as long as it's, because that'd be bad luck, I think, but uh, that's really neither here nor there, and we should probably go figure out what's going on with the rudder linkage. All right, let's investigate. 
Down we go. All right, where are you headed? Well, if I know ships, there's probably either a shaft of some kind or a chain linkage type system that runs from the wheel down. So could we just like follow that path to where it would go through Uh, the hole? Yes, I will give that to you given your uh, expertise. Okay. But I think um, in order to examine it, as you go throughout, I will have you roll for that. Okay. And tell me the cliche you're using and how it fits. Well, I just keep using the same one, but it just fits so well with my pirating background. So pirate with a heart of salty gold is the thing. And I rolled stupidly well. I got a 25 somehow. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you see, uh, amazingly, even though you've not seen an airship configuration of this, you see exactly how it's supposed to be put together and exactly what the problem is. And it is clear to you, given that high of a role, that it is sabotage. Somebody broke a chain uh, and it should be helping to connect the wheel to the shaft to the rudder, but it's broken. And I quickly turn to my team and I say, I know boats and I know rudders and this one was sabotaged. Not just broken, but somebody has messed with this linkage. And I get very paranoid, I think. Um, Rufus, while... My one eye is squinting and looking around. Um, While I was preparing and giving a peanut butter sandwich to Rain, uh, we saw something move and we investigated and saw a a cat uh but there were also human tracks as well and we think there might be a stowaway that can transform but they ran up to the top of the deck and then this koa disappeared oh right so (laughs) i think that koa might be the saboteur i'm not sure though it might be someone else if we had a stowaway the stowaway did smell like crew, but also not like crew, like wrong crew. I don't think it was Koa. Do you I smell d- anything now, Rain? Does the does the chain smell like fake crew? <laughs> I will say um, the chain smells like oil very strongly, like a mechanical oil smell. But there are there are hints of where somebody there are tools around, but put away properly that smell like that same, a little bit off crew smell? Uh, well, on the tools, there's the same smell as in the stowaway room. Hmm. I, can I just, like, turn? Are we, what are, what, are we in, like, a larger room or, like, a? It's large. I mean, it's a pretty, they, they combine three hulls, so it's a larger ship. Okay. And so the, the engine, the mechanical compartment is big because it has to accommodate lifting the entire ship. Right. Uh, but it's still efficient, so it's not like a bunch of extra. Okay. I would like to just kind of look around and just be like, Koa, are you in here? And just kind of cautiously move into like a wider pattern from our team. And uh, I, I look to them and I say, we should search the room. I, Rufus... I'm going to investigate the room where we saw the cat before. 
Listener, he was winking. <laughs> and I will uh, act like I'm walking out of the room, but I'm going to try and hide in like near the the back part or the exit from this area. I look at Rain and I say, I'm very confused. He said he was going to go. <laughs> and then he clearly just ducked behind a box. No, no, no. He, he left out of the door. Uh, as we uh, yes. will do we, yes. now. I would love one of these peanut butter sandwiches I have heard so much about. I can show you where some are. <laughs> Let us go. I think as I walk, I'm saying the word walk, too. <laughs> walk. Walk. <laughs> walk. <laughs> We sure are walking. <laughs> <laughs> so you make your way to, um, I guess the the entrance toward near the entrance, but still in the room, correct? Yeah, yeah. And there's only one way in and one way out. So you're you're camped there, and you sit there for a while. Like five minutes go by, ten minutes go by, nothing's really happening. You don't notice any movement of any kind. You do hear um, in the distance the captain uh, in a muffled fashion, like asking where everybody is, like, where is everyone? Did we fix and the so rubber? She, you you no. see her going through. <laughs> you hear her kind of going through the different compartments in, in the distance. And um, so that's, that's what's happening currently. Hey, um, maybe we should. Fix the brother. <laughs> yeah, ten minutes is a really long time to go without steering. <laughs> I I have no craftsmanship skills, unfortunately. I mean, if we find a rope, we could just like tie it through the chains, like through the severed chain links. Maybe the last ones that are was, whole and just uh, like. What tie about it my grappling hook? Well, was the sabotage like bad enough that we're in bad shape? I didn't think about that, or is it fixable? Have any of you had a broken bicycle chain before? Yeah. Like in real life. Yeah. Okay, players. Uh, it's something like that. Okay. So it could be there are there are things that you could use to reattach it together and yeah. fix it, but you would need to find those things. Well, if we found some sort of chain or I don't know, Something we could maybe reconnect the chain to the rudder post, but it's not going to be simple. These are things that are tools are going to be needed. We need tools, and some crew members that know the ship would also be helpful. But um, I I don't think there's anything. I think we should leave. We've been in here a really long time. <laughs> Perhaps we should look for <laughs> Koa, considering he's the one who's in charge of this. I agree. We could try try to find his scent or perhaps try following the strange scent. Uh, that's a good idea. That's a better idea than... They, they're quite slippery, though. Um, I think as much as I would like to know what the mystery is, we should find the guy who knows how to fix the rudder first. Uh, perhaps yeah, so we won't Simon. fall out of the sky. All right. So, so what are you doing? Do we have something uh, that Koa has touched that we know that that Rain could go <laughs> smell? What a what a what a thing we're doing! <laughs> I, I think 
based on um, the rope ladder situation in the storm, and I imagine when you walked on the deck, you could probably smell everybody and identify them that way. Okay. So she's nodding, everyone. And um, so you know what koa smells like. And so you can, it is clearly, there is a koa smell and then a kind of koa smell. And you can, I guess, choose to follow whichever one you think you'd like to do. I'll just quickly add that she can probably identify the smell like now. At first it was like, okay, this is here now. But since we've spent like more time together, she's kind of like, like how you would start to recognize people with like their faces. She like starts recognizing people through their smell where before it was just a bunch of smells. Okay. That makes sense. So, so yeah, the only smell in here, there's no koa smell in here. It's the off smell. Then she would try to go look for the koa smell and I will cliche my werewolf. Werewolf Perfect. cliche my wolf where. <laughs> where koa? Where koa? <laughs> <laughs> Arcoa, I'm Wolf. <laughs> Twelve. That is enough. Perfect. So you you navigate your way through some of the corridors in the ship, and you get to the crew quarters, and there is a little kind of handwritten sign on the the door that says Koa, and it it looks like it's clearly his room. Is it locked? Are you trying to open it? Uh, maybe we should knock first. <laughs> <laughs> you knock, and there's no answer. I is will, it locked? Uh, it is not locked. I will open the door and see, like, peek inside. Okay, as you open the door, you see a, uh, what looks like a, a pretty Spartan room. Not a lot of stuff in there. Uh, but you do see uh, a human, uh, blonde hair, uh, tan complexion, tunic and pantaloons lying face down in the middle of the floor. Is there blood? No. I will shake them and attempt to (laughs) rouse them. Okay. He is, uh, you you attempt to rouse him and he he slowly comes to, but he's very disoriented. Uh, Pardon me. uh, What is your name? Are you Koa? What? Uh, Get off me. I just, I'll do the job, okay? I just need the extra credit. Is your name Koa, sir? Yeah, God, why? The the koa we saw. Why don't people remember my name? Rufus, I believe the koa we saw on board when we were first boarding had brown hair. Oh, uh, he had blonde hair. Sorry, I may have misspoken. I'm not sure. That might have so been they my looked, mis. They looked the same. Yeah. Okay. okay. This looks like the guy you saw when you came on. Okay. I bend down to koa and I roll him over, and I say, "Breathe out, please, sir." Does his breath smell like alcohol or grog or anything of that nature? Um, I will. Uh, you don't need to roll for this because it's obvious. It does not. Oh, okay. That's not what I expected. But you do see, as you roll him over, you do see a prominent lump on his head. <laughs> oh, that is quite the goose egg you got there, my friend. And I tap it to kind of wake, wake him up a little Ow. bit. Why would you do that, dude? Ow. Um, GM, do Rise I see any shine. paw prints anywhere? Um, let's do a sleuthing roll. A 14. You do. You see paw prints kind of all around the cabin, 
And then you also see what looks like a um, like a little cat bed area. Mm. But then you also see a second pair of footprints that are not quite the same as the boots that Koa is wearing. Uh, it seems our cat friend has been here. Now, Koa, look me in the eye and tell me two things. Number one, is there a ship's cat? Yeah, dude, I found a cat before we took off. Oh, so this is a new, this is not like a established ship's cat, this is a new ship's cat. Yeah, I was really friendly, and I was bored, okay? All right, number two, do you know why, and I flick him in the little bump again on his head, you, <laughs> why you got that? <laughs> I don't know, I was I was on my way to check the, the linkage and this connection, and I, that's that's the last thing I remember. Hmm. You definitely shouldn't be sleeping right now. Yeah, I, I definitely shouldn't have some old guy <laughs> thumping my head. And I, and I, how old is Koa? <laughs> I'd say. Is this like a college age? No, he's probably 15. Okay, well, I just kind of probably just push him towards the bed and I'll be like, you'll be fine. We got stuff we got to figure out. Also, the uh, rudder's broken. What? <laughs> yeah, we looked at it for 10 minutes. So, it's pretty broken. It's so broken. Uh, <laughs> all right. So he, he kind of collects himself and rubs his eyes and it's like, just just let's go. I need a I need a nap, but let's take care of this. And so he knows how to get there. He, he gets there a little wobbly, but he gets there. He goes, oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know how this happened, but let's just get the spare. And he goes to the place where you were hiding, and he there's this huge box that says spare parts, and he opens it up and pulls an exact chain that you need, and he closes it, and it's like, yeah, this will just take a minute. Just let me do my thing, and just tell the captain we'll be all right. Uh, Who was sitting on the spare parts yeah. box while we were hiding? <laughs> just, this is why you really, you always want to find the person who knows what they're doing. <laughs> And so he begins working and connecting things. And so he's doing that. What What are the three of you going to do now? I, I don't want to split the party, but we should probably leave at least one person here to keep an eye on Koa. I mean, I could either try and treat his goose egg a little bit with whatever I have foraged, or I could try and track down the goose egging cat. Yeah, and I, I believe that you are our ace in the hole, so to speak, in terms of sniffing the mystery out. So I could stay with Koa, and we'll come up to deck once uh, everything is good. Maybe we'll lock the door, too, to the um, rudder room. I will um, follow behind Rain as they follow this scent and try to stealth behind them to try and stay out of sight in case they happen to flush this individual out. All right. So Rufus is in the room with Koa. Yes. He's working on the engine, and you're kind of guarding it. Door is locked behind after Errol and Rain start heading up to the deck, I assume, or, or yeah. just following the scent? Is that? I guess follow the scent it? from the rudder room, because it's like okay. in there, right? Yeah, you can still kind of smell that not the not-quite-Koa scent. Like, either follow that one or, like, follow the one from earlier 
when it escaped from the room that we were in and then ran up to Dick. It's the same smell. Yeah, like depending on which one is stronger, which one was like more recently made. Oh, I see. Okay, well, you start looking around for that. You sniff, sniff, sniff. And um, you start making your way up st- up to the main deck. So you're out on the the ship. The captain is like, where have you been? We looked at the rudder for a while. It's broken. And what did you find? Bro- it's broken. Of course. <laughs> Just our luck. So Koa was supposed to look at that. Oh, he's cooperating. He- he's fixing it currently. Is he fixing it? Oh, finally. With the spare okay. parts. Good labeling. It's been about if only we 10, 15 read. minutes. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Wait a minute. You said Cole was... Fi- is he fixing it now? Yes. But then who's that over there at the the stern? And she points <laughs> to the, the front of the ship, and there's what you see to be Koa. And that what is... you smell to be not Koa. That is Koa. I was lying. <laughs> And we're all going to act natural now, because that is Koa, and we do not want Koa to run away. Wink. (laughs) Okay. The captain goes, oh, yes, well, I'll leave it to you then. And then she just kind of leans against the the wall by the doorway and eyes you uh, with focus. Like, she's just kind of watching to see what happens. Um, yeah, making sure that Errol, like, sees the other Koa and is, like, in position. Uh, I guess Rain would, like, approach them and be like, Ah, uh, Koa, there you are. We've been looking all over for you. The the rudder is broken. That's terrible. We've been looking at it for a long time, not fixing it. <laughs> so Koa jumps kind of started a little bit because you snuck up on him. He turns and you see... The same Koa that you saw knocked out in his room, but instead of the deep blue eyes that that Koa had, it has yellowish cat eyes. And that is where we're going to take our break. So, uh, please keep tuned in for part two, but joining us today for part one were Rain. We're sniffing out the mystery. Errol. Man, I really need one of those peanut butter sandwiches. I'm hungry. <laughs> and Rufus. And I'm just hanging out with Koa. And, and and then I told the mermaid, that's not my treasure. That's a seashell. <laughs> um, also, I have a review, GM. Yes, go right ahead, Errol. Yes, we have a five-star review uh, from a user named Stormfire15. Uh, Corpses Don't Honk is my favorite episode. Heists are always fun when the fire-breathing kittens are involved. Keep turning left. Uh, thank you nice. for your review, Stormfire15. Uh, if you enjoy our episodes, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we will air them on our episode. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Today's mid-episode shout-out is from several underscore bag. 7533, who says, quote, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons is a Dumb Dumbs and Dice podcast where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. The show is hosted by Dungeon Master Tom McGee and regular players, the sneaky Tyler Hewitt, the brilliant Laura Hamstra, and the flatulent Ryan LaPlante, with special guest comedians joining them on their journey, follow the heroes as they begin their adventures, end quote. You can arrange for us to read your shout-out at firebreathingkittenspodcast.com. 
We have books on Amazon and audiobooks on Audible. Just search Fire Breathing Kittens Podcast. And please tell people about our podcast. We don't pay to advertise and they will not hear about us unless you tell them about us. So if you think of someone who might enjoy it, you know, for everything kittens, you should tell them. Bye. Welcome back. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, thank you for sharing this time where we get to tell you this crazy story. Um, what we're going to do, if you missed part of some of the details of the story we just told you, uh, one of our fabulous players here will recap what has happened so far so you are up to date and ready to move forward. So, everybody, roll a d6. Six. Three. Six. All right, do you see this number? A five. All right, it sounds like we have a roll-off. <laughs> I got a three. I got a two. See this number? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's, that's right. me. Okay, so we started our adventure in the guild hall. Uh, Errol uh, was playing ring toss. Uh, Rufus tried to join me, but his hand went awry and tossed the ring crazily. Um, we discussed his hand for a bit. He seemed to be okay. Uh, then Skirmish Killington came down and told us that Nulisag was not well, and there was crazy magic hijinks happening in, all over the place, and that we had to find the source. And he was assembling teams to send on these tasks. Uh, he sent us on a mission to follow a crack. Uh, we have we also got told about a ship, and we followed. We went towards the ship, and on the way we paid attention to the crack, which did not lead us away from the ship, so we got on the ship. Uh, turns out the ship was uh, named the Phoenix, uh, and it was captained by Captain Laika said before. Uh, Laika said before, we discussed our mission with her. She agreed to take us on our path. We took this airship. Turns out that it was an airship. We took the airship, and we ran into a storm that was brought in by a portal. It was a category one storm, uh, which had been brought in by a portal and nearly got thrown off the ship. We managed to save ourselves and save the crew. Thanks to, uh, rain in werewolf form and Rufus's fast thinking with a rope ladder that rain had crafted. Uh, we then got the ship righted. Um, we, I had made some delicious vegetable soup, which got tossed around. <laughs> so then I had to go back and make some peanut butter sandwiches to feed everybody. Uh, we found a cat hiding down below who potentially is transforming between cat and human form. Uh, then the ship's rudder stopped working. So we investigated that, failed to fix it for a good while, <laughs> uh, and then found tracks leading back up. And we were just about to confront someone posing as Koa while the real blonde, the real blonde human Koa is fixing the rudder. Uh, Rain and I are attempting to confront the uh, poser Koa who is up top with the captain. And I believe that's where we left off. Thank you very much, Errol. So there they were on the ship <laughs> talking to the fake Koa. 
or presumably fake. We'll see. Uh, I believe last uh, Rain was being very casual and cool, and Koa, quote unquote Koa, turns around, stares at her with his yellow eyes, and says, "Uh, yeah, I I thought I checked it, but uh, I think it was like messed up or whatever, and I didn't I didn't know how to fix it." Um, while this is happening, GM, I would like to try and sneak around to the opposite side of Rain, flanking Koa. Okay, do you have a cliche that would support this action? Um, I believe Thief would work. Thieves are sneaky. Yes, indeed. I, I sometimes borrow objects. What cliche would you like to roll? Thief. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 15. All right. Uh, in amazement to anyone that would be paying attention to you in this bright blue clear day and in a otherwise scantily populated deck, you manage to eke your way across where nobody is the wiser in perceiving how smooth you move from one location to the other and you end up flanking, uh, your target. I find a large barrel and I tip it over myself and I crawl across the ground. <laughs> there's, there's one hole for me to peep through. Perfect. You only have one eye, so it's perfect. Occasionally a red exclamation mark appears above the guy that you're just... Ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yes, this barrel, uh, Koa's talking to Rain... Looks a little bit to the left slowly, notices a barrel, looks back, looks again, barrel's a little bit closer, but imperceptibly so. So he's just like, I guess there's, well, barrel was there the whole time? Anyway, I'm talking to this lady, and um, he says, so, uh, what are we, like, what are we, like, gonna do? Um, does the captain have any orders for me, or for you? What, uh, what do you want? yeah, she, um... She said there's like a box with spare parts and like, you know, you're oh. the, you're the one who like knows how to fix it, right? So right, okay, yeah. Well, I'll I'll go ahead and do that. Um, I'll catch you later, okay? And he oh, starts I'll, walking. I'll come with you. I can I can help you. I heard the boxes are I know. heavy. I, that's, no, that's so okay. cool. I don't, but you know. Uh, okay. And so, we don't want the rudder broken. No, we Imagine certainly do not. What could happen no, think, if the rudder is broken for like I don't know, <laughs> ten minutes? I, I can't even imagine that. Is that who would wait that long to fix the? Here, I'll, I'll go ahead and. That's why I'm saying I'll, it's urgent. I'll go ahead and go down there. It's cool. And so he starts walking, uh, but you can tell his his body is stiff. Before Rain would just follow him. Before he gets too far off. Errol would ditch the bucket and leap and try and gl- grab his ankles and, like, tackle him to the floor. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think because he is completely surprised, not looking your way, and you snuck so well, sneaked so well? Don't know what the past tense is. Uh, you were sneaking so well. Uh, you do that successfully, and Rain, you notice, as Ko- this Koa falls onto the ground... The bracelet on the left wrist looks identical to the collar on the cat that you saw earlier. Rain, quick. Me, wow. Grab their arms. I'll, I'll do that. 
So <laughs> you do that, and uh, this co is like, "Hey, man, get off me! What's what's the big idea, Captain? Captain?" Are me and Koa hashtag the real Koa? Um, <laughs> done. <Hashtag bliss. laughs> With the rudder uh, at yeah. this point or not yet? Well, he's he's kind of going slower because you're regaling him with pirate stories. I and am he indeed. Really <laughs> likes those stories. And okay, so okay. He's a little check. distracted, but he just finished. Like what would have taken a minute took seven minutes because oh, okay. he's really digging your stories. And he's like, uh, well, I guess that's everything. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to go hang out or whatever? Yeah, um, one time I'll tell you about the time that I once stuffed a barrel of grog into a cannon and fired that off at a <laughs> ship instead. It was Whoa, crazy. dude. Uh, and uh, we heartily laugh and make our way toward the deck while all okay. this is happening. Um, he, he is convinced he wants to be a pirate. Like, it, it, it's changing awesome. his trajectory. Can Rain, instead of just holding this guy down, um, could I use my druid cliche to turn into a snake? And like just wrap around him. So even if he changes shape from person to cat, I could just coil more, <laughs> and uh, he wouldn't just slip out of our grasp. I w- yes, I will say you can you can do that. You can try to do that. I should say. Um, Errol will try to inspect this bracelet while he is still in this form before he tries to. Is there a way to unclasp it? Could I take it off? Mm-hmm. Well, you're at the ankles, right? So you can see it. And it has the shape of a bell, but it has this glowing light coming out of it. It's not It's not a bell. It's something else. All right. Well, I, but that's just, all you can tell from the distance. Well, just quickly, I will say, um, I will try to smooth talk, and I will say, we know you aren't Koa. We know you can turn into a cat at least. We will not harm you if you fess up and tell us why you sabotage the ship. Okay. So I need you to roll smooth talking, and then... You're rolling Druid, correct, Rain? Yep. All right. Uh, let's do Rain's roll. 19. And hear the out- 19. Okay. In this circumstance, I need you to roll. Do you have a D10 on you by any chance? I should have given yes. you a heads up. <laughs> roll a D10. While she's digging for the D10, uh, roll for your smooth talking arrow. Uh, I got a nine. Ooh. Um, this Koa is not mollified by your words like he is he's still like resisting and he he's on the edge like maybe he can trust you but maybe not and so he's he's holding on to something and isn't isn't giving up the ghost just or giving up the info just yet rain what you got rolled a 10 Ooh, oh nice okay well you would think oh <laughs> because of the magical <laughs> disruption that's occurring your transformation into a snake doesn't go exactly mm-hmm. the way you think it goes. And so what you end up doing is you turn into a dove. <laughs> oh, my. Well, then. Okay, so you are a dove. Um, and then I'll say Koa, nine is close. A ten was the threshold, the target number. It's like, look, you wouldn't understand. Just, just let me go, all right? I'm not going to... I'm not gonna do anything. Can I sit on the bell? <laughs> like hold um, it with my bird feet? <laughs> yes. So you can as you flap toward Koa's face, he's kinda trying to look away. 
and then you're you're just flapping and you land on the the item attached to the bracelet. Um, what would you like to do with it? Just sit on it? Yeah, just kind of like try and keep him from like using it, I suppose. Okay. By blocking him from like accessing it. I mean, it might be that he can just use his brain to make it work, but that's kind of her like if you have to like touch it or ring it or something that she would like try to stop that from happening. All right. As soon as you get on the bracelet, um, he he gets more animated and it's like, hey, get off of that. And then all of a sudden he starts uh, morphing into the cat that you saw earlier, but it's not an instantaneous change. He's like his his body just starts shifting into the cat. And so, Errol, you're hanging on to the ankles, right? Yes. They get smaller <laughs> and they start slipping out of your grasp, right? Because they're becoming cat paws. Oh, okay. I don't really know what to do. I will grab, I will do, I will try to grab them by the scruff of the neck. I've seen people pick up cats before, and you know how when mm -hmm. you grab them by the scruff, they kind of go limp because that's how their mother picks them up as kittens. That's, right. that's what, I don't really have a skill for that, I don't think. Maybe, well, thieves are nimble, so uh, that's what I'm attempting. Let me okay. know if I need I to make a roll. I, you do need to make a roll. I think sleight of hand kind of fits in that category, and that seems like what you're trying to do. Uh, while you're doing that, uh, Rufus emerges on the deck with hashtag real koa. That's right. And I say, and that was when I revealed that I had an eye underneath my eye patch, um, but that was before I actually lost my eye. So, it, you know, now it's unfortunate that it, it's real. But back then, it was crazy. <laughs> He, like he is then, enthralled. I had depth perception. Yeah. And I go, what is going on? And I see a cat, half cat, half person forming on the floor with a dove and Errol. <laughs> <laughs> and Errol. <laughs> I got a 19 trying to grab the scruff. Okay. You, you nimbly... Switch from grasping the, the legs to grabbing the scruff, and you now have what is a complete cat by the scruff, and the cat is very animated, and uh, of course, the you see f somehow the, the bracelet became the collar again. We'll just narratively say that happened, and uh, but you've got the, the cat with you. I've got the culprit, the rudder-sabotaging cat Koa. Koa hears his name is like, what? No, dude, I just fixed, I just <laughs> fixed the rudder, man. A, a different Koa, a cat Koa. Oh, why would you name a cat? Well, anyway, whatever. <laughs> hey, tell me more stories, pirate man. Yeah, uh, hold on one second. Uh, is that the cat you were, um, that you mentioned? The, you found a cat, right, this morning on the ship and it was friendly and, I don't know, I wasn't really paying attention to you, but I think that's what you said. <laughs> Yes, this is a a cat that can transform into maybe any form, but we definitely know it was transforming into a version of Koa that had yellow eyes. That's wild. At this moment, oh, sorry to interrupt. At this moment, the captain comes up with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, kind of half eaten, <laughs> and realizes the rudder has been fixed and makes her way to the helm to pilot us, uh, pilot you further in the direction of what the artifact is indicating. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, 
at this point, I will try to maintain my control of the cat, but I'm not going to like make, leave it dangling all uncomfortably, you know, I'm going to try and cradle its legs so it has somewhere to stand, but not letting up on my grip, like holding it firmly. Okay. Talking, talking about dangling, Rain did not let go. <laughs> She's just hanging upside down <laughs> from that collar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the cat is flummoxed a little bit because there's a bird right in its face. And as it tries to to bite you, when it moves its head, the collar moves. And so you move. And so you're perpetually <laughs> out of the cat's reach. But uh, so it feels trapped and feels very, um, you know, when you when you trap an animal, they feel more uh, fearful and aggressive in a way. That's That's kind of what you sense, Errol, as you're holding the cat. I would like to look up to the captain and I say, Captain said before we found your rudder ruiner and i pointed the cat dove combo <laughs> how can a dove break a rudder no no not no not the dove the the cat the dove is exasperated dove is noises most likely rain <laughs> oh well, how i guess can i a don't cat know for sure <laughs> break a rudder i'm confused there's a lot of shape-shifting hijinks going on right now <laughs> I will attempt to put the cat under the bucket that I'd previously hid under and like shoo Rain away. <laughs> she'll yeah, she'll fly on Rufus's shoulder. And okay. Pretend Wonderful. to make a parrot Sounds noise. So cool. <laughs> it's okay. not a parrot noise, it's a it's a nice so, attempt um, at one. It's more of a yeah. grr. <laughs> so you feel as you sit on the barrel. How how big would you say this barrel is? Uh, it's at least three to four foot tall because that's how how big I am. So, or, I'm sorry, I would have been crouching underneath it. So perhaps two feet deep. Okay, you you hear like um, there's a lot of noise and vibration, like a cat is trying to find a way out, and then it settles down, and then you hear in what appears to be a human voice. It's like, please let me go. I. I hate being trapped, please. We need you to explain why you sabotaged the ship and endangered the crew. Let me go and I'll tell you anything you want. And at this point, uh, Rain instantly transmogrifies back to herself, her human form, on top of Rufus's shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on the floor. <laughs> yes. And I think I, I think I was like standing very like stoically letting the breeze roll past my mutton chops, feeling very piratey, and then all of a sudden just crumple, like, under the weight of a person on my shoulder. Right. Ah. <laughs> you should give me warning next time. I also would have liked one. What do you guys think? I'm willing to give this false koa a second chance if they're willing to tell us what is happening. Um, yeah. I collect myself up off the floor and I help Rain up and I say thank you uh, I mean I don't think I trust the person in the crate saying we have to let them out first before they tell us something we just leave them in the crate is all I'm saying we could open like a hole so they could breathe but they really don't have anything to bargain here except for information. We fixed the rudder, so we're fine. I just don't really see why. I just don't trust this is all I'm saying. At the sound of your explanation, 
the entity inside the barrel is like, no, please, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you whatever you need to know. Then, please, give me your word you'll let me out. I'll, I'll tell you anything. If you spill the beans, I will, I will personally let you out. But it better be the truth, cat person. <laughs> you hear, person? you hear a sigh, just like, <sighs> my name is Andrea. I'm a shifter. I work for a man named Victor Von McKee. I'm helping him. He wants to get rid of magic. I hate magic. I hate it. And more than anything, I would like to get magic myself to get back at the people who cursed me. But a second best would be to eliminate that power that they had over me. And so I'm helping him. Um, as a shifter, isn't your very nature influenced by magic? It was. I don't need magic to shift. I can do it biologically. I don't understand why, but all this interference with magic does not affect my abilities. And so, Victor finds me very valuable. But why? You said you, oh, go you, ahead. Said you were cursed? Cursed how exactly? So you, you hear a tone of just dripping contempt. When I was a little girl, I went to a magic school. Honestly, I shouldn't have been there. I cheated my way in. But once the other students found out my secret, they bullied me relentlessly. Every day, curses. And they just built and built until I became the thing that I am. A cat? No. <laughs> if you release the bucket... I will show you my true form. A man. <laughs> I said girl. I was a girl and now my woman. I only pretended to be a man to break the rudder. I I would like to, well, I would like to attempt to use smooth talking in this moment, but I will say, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and then you can tell me if I, you think a role is appropriate. Okay. Uh, You know, and Andrea, I... I don't think that the issue you had with bullying is is magic. I don't think getting rid of magic is the solution to your problem. Many people suffer from bullying who have no abilities in magic. It is a issue with humanoids and the only way that you could solve that would it it's it's an impossible thing. Magic is destroying magic isn't going to eliminate people's cruelty. True. I So you don't need to roll. I think that was very eloquent and well said, as it stands. Um, you may be right. I've seen cruelty with magic and non-magic users, but those that cursed me, they are now quote-unquote great people with great magic. And if no magic exists, they will be brought to their knees by me. And I will have justice. So I would like to go over to Errol and I would be like, Errol, I've changed my mind. Open the bucket. And I want to get down on a knee and I want to be ready because I have now an immediate connection with this person having been mutinied against once before. 
the power of revenge. So I want to have, I think we're good. I, I will get off and remove the bucket whenever you're ready. I'm ready. All right. You remove the bucket and you see a cat uh, kind of wince at the, bright, the brightness of the sky uh, just for a split second. And then she lowers her head and then she transforms into this woman with um, deep blue skin tone, all white eyes like all sclera and kind of whitish hair, but it's very wispy, like it, it's like it's damaged. So, and then she looks at you and she says, now you see me for who I am. Do I not repulse you? I mean, no. I've seen some weird stuff. It's like, I, I kind of look back at Errol and, and, and Rain like, I mean, like, I'm right? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, a, it's pretty like a. I love your a, blue skin. What is it, Wednesday? Yeah, it's like a pretty standard Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. What do you mean you like my blue skin? It doesn't horrify you? No, not at all. Look look at I the pretty... side of my face. Do you see this burn scar running down the entire right side <laughs> of my body? Oh, should I look at them with my pale white eyes? <laughs> yeah, with those. I, I like I like lift up my eye patch super horribly like wounded eye missing and like remove the gloved hand and like put them next to each other. I'm like, we're all kind of messed up, I think, a little bit. I don't really Brent's know. left eye is also white. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't we're work anymore. Always... There's like this, she... this claw scar over her eye. <laughs> she she looks around a little <laughs> uncertain. It's like I've I've never met people in my situation like you. It, it, in my experience, Andrea, the best way to get revenge at the people who poke fun at you is to be awesome regardless of your differences and the ones they try to point out to you. You see a wry smile come across her face like, Oh, I am awesome. And I will show just how awesome I am once I have my revenge. Uh, well, this isn't going the way I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I get it. It's like, it's like this. There's these guys. They were my crew. They chopped my hand off. They wounded me. They left me on an island. And, you know, conveniently, I actually got to get revenge on one of them, like, really quickly after it all. And, um... <laughs> Yeah, it felt it felt pretty good. I don't really know where I was going with this. Um, uh, actually, maybe somebody else should take this over. Actually, I have a proposal. <laughs> if you help us stop these magic disruptances, then maybe we can help you get revenge. We'll bully sure. them. I'm listening. <laughs> oh wait, you no, that, that, was her, that was her for decision. For me, you just met me. Yeah, I mean, as far as fire-breathing kittens go, I'm pretty morally gray, so. <laughs> <laughs> I am open to revenge as long as it doesn't involve outright killing someone. I don't like no. bullies. I want them to suffer, not die. She she kind of pauses and puts her hand to her mouth just to kind of think. Wouldn't it make more sense to just curse those like three or four specifically so that everyone around them is still great and has magic and they don't? Not That's that true. I would ever. I could recommend that. <laughs> I could see where you're coming from. I, yes, perhaps we should talk to Victor. 
And so she, she kind of stands upright. She walks over to the captain and she, she exchanges some words that you can't quite hear, but there's some nodding and some pointing. And then she comes back and says, I have told your captain which way to go. We will meet Victor. You can talk to him about it. I cannot make that decision by myself. I only support his vision. But if you're true to your word, I will agree to what you've said. Now, can we sidebar? The fire-breathing kitten sidebar away from <laughs> the cat person, Andrea. <laughs> and I pull you guys over and I'm like, okay, now, I don't trust... I trust revenge. I like that. I don't like this Victor just blanket removing magic. That's nonsense. Uh, I don't really want to go see Victor personally. We have this task that Skirmish set us. So if we turn to go find this Victor guy and the crack is pointing us another way, what do you guys think? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, I mean, we could just check. <laughs> Yeah, I think we I think we see whether our paths diverge. I have a feeling the crack might be pointed in Victor's direction. Uh, but I think we might have to deal with that after we find out whether this is in the same direction or, or opposite. All right. I go back to the captain and I say, well, we'll do what the cat person wants for now. I believe she said her name was Andrea. Might do you well to use people's proper name. I will write it down. <laughs> Very well, Rufus. Uh, Andrea, do you have a a family name, a second name? Uh, yes, my name is Andrea Whistlekind. I'm Errol Corvidbow. She nods. You said Whistlekind? Yes. They call me Rufus. She She nods in your direction as well. Like, you can tell by her body language, she's still hesitant. Probably has to do with the, the wrestling and the, the trapping. But she is, you can tell she's not completely hostile. She's willing to take it one step at a time. She sabotaged our rudder. I think we were, we're allowed to do some wrestling. <laughs> Ray Nilva B. So, um, anything else for right now? Not until uh, the ship turns. Okay. Uh, as it turns out, the ship doesn't turn. It's still on course. Uh, you're still heading toward the crack in the artifact, or the the, the direction the crack is indicating. Um, it takes a couple of days, and so... Oh, my goodness. So Errol has an opportunity to remake his soup, and... Um, <laughs> Everybody enjoys, it's a little hardier this time because he had like a practice run and now it's much, it's much uh, richer. And so everybody enjoys it. Andrea, you can tell, softens slightly. Like she's still on edge, but, you know, she feels a little bit better. Uh, it, it's getting colder because you're heading north progressively. And then um, on, as you're getting, you're approaching a mountain, a, kind of a snowy mountain, Andrea taps the shoulder of the captain, says, this is the place, you can land. And she points to a rather flat uh, area next to the mountain. So you can land right there. 
And so as she, as the ship is descending, what you see come into view is an opulent edifice built into the side of the mountain. There are no windows that face out on, at least on this side, but there's a large oak door, like huge, uh, 15 feet oak door with a highly polished handle and door knocker. And, um, that's what you can see from this distance. Can I talk to Laika and I say, now Laika, can you do me a solid and can we just like do a quick hot lap around the mountain? Because I'm curious about the compass and I'm curious about the direction of this thing. And like, you know, like have the ship go around the mountain once before we land to see where the compass is it's pointing to this place. Okay. Uh, she nods in agreement says, of course, I think that's wise. And so she, she orients stuff and Andre is a little confused as to why she's doing that, but you take a, you circle around the mountain and as you do so, you see the crack change. Mm. So for the first time, almost in your whole trip, it starts moving toward the mountain. Oh boy. Well, Errol, unfortunately, it seems you were correct. Um, Andrea, have you been to this location before? Yes, this is traditionally where I work. Do you know of any side or back entrances? She pauses. Yes, there is the employee's entrance in the back. I say we try to attempt to enter through the back. Well, you are an employee, are you not? That's what you... Of course, I have my badge here somewhere. So, were it not possible to allow us to come with you in the employee entrance and uh, save all the trouble of large oak doors that are hard to open, etc., etc.? Well, I will say that the doors here are very well-maintained and easy to open, but I don't see why we couldn't just go to directly to Victor through the employee entrance. I like it. Victory for us. So, but she, um, so... Is there a landing pad for the back entrance, or is uh, it... We have to, like, land in the normal spot. There's... There's some flat ground semi-close, but not directly as close as you would be to the front door in that landing area. So you can land close by, gangplank is lowered, and then um, as you disembark to get ready to go to the employee entrance, you see Andrea hesitate. She's like, you can see her kind of weighing options mentally, like, and she's unsure what to do. Is there something bothering you? Well, yes, I don't know if I should join you. There's a bit in our contract when we work for Victor, non-disclosure sort of thing. But technically, we're not going through the front, so I don't see why that would be a problem in this circumstance. So, and so she takes a, a few beats. and She's like, okay, yes, I will escort you. And so she descends... She leads you to where the employee entrance is. It's very cleverly hidden. You would not have found this yourself. She has one of those retractable badges, like on a, a zip line. <laughs> and she puts it against a, a reader of some sort. And you hear a bling. And then a, a rock wall kind of opens. And it's like, well, here we are. We're, we're going into the the plant collection. Look, I guess... Uh, Nursery of sorts, it's right off the sanctum. Um, Andrea, would would you feel more comfortable if we pretended like we held you at sword point 
and that you were under duress. Why would I feel comfortable with a sword at my throat? It would allow you a little bit of plausible deniability. You were forced by threat of violence. I don't think that would be necessary. Victor is very clever, very wise, and also quite kind. I don't think such theatrics would be necessary. Very well. All right. Can we make... Andrea go first. <laughs> oh yeah, she well, she clearly believes that she's leading you because okay. you don't know where you're going. Fair. So she enters first. Um, is there anything you want to take from the ship before you proceed? Rope. <laughs> I've got a gra- okay. I've got a grappling hook still on me. I would think. Okay. A f- full flagon of grog. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. The important stuff. Gro- Grog rope grappling hook. There we are. So you've got, and then I assume you still have your uh, water skins of water, Errol? Yes, I do. Okay. At least probably like one and a half at this point. Or Ooh. maybe I drank a full one because it's been a few days, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but there, it's it was a stocked galley. You, like, you, you were able to eat and drink, no problem. I would like to pull my hand out, which is... Just on my hand, on my arm, I guess. I would like to look (laughs) at my hand upon crossing the threshold. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Running back to the ship, grabbing the gem. Okay. And bringing that too. But then, yes, as we cross the threshold, I would like to see what happens to my hand in all this. It, um, periodically, I'd say once per every two, three minutes, it'll operate like a normal hand as if it was an extension of yourself Ooh. like it'll just move but only for about 10 seconds and then it just kind of goes limp again interesting all right well i guess i'll uh kind of pace behind andrea with the gem kind of making sure that where we're going is coinciding with the crack okay so she she leads you through uh a, a fairly well-lit corridor very spartan not not very well decorated or anything but she she punches a code uh, in it looks like a modern telephone keypad. Boop, 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 boop. Door opens. You walk in, and what immediately strikes you is the warmth of the room. So it's uh it's not uncomfortably warm, but it's warmer than most rooms would be at, at a comfortable level. And as you walk in, you can see on your immediate left a row of plants. And these plants are being fertilized and watered by mechanical claws that are kind of operating around them. And then on the far wall, you can see a row of identical looking plants, but they're fruiting. And the mechanical claws are picking the fruits delicately off of these, they're like bushes. And then as you fully enter the room, you can see a door to your right and then some stairs that lead up to a door that is flanked by windows on the left. Um, Rain, do you recognize these fruits? Foraging fruits? <laughs> yeah. Uh, go ahead and roll your cliche and see if you can identify them. I guess that would be foraging, not druid. That is an eight. An eight? Yep. Okay. They, you've seen plants like these before they're a little bit different but your best guess is that they're coffee plants and so um 
you can, you're not quite sure by looking at the plant itself, but by looking across the way and looking at the fruit, he's like, well, those look like coffee beans. And so the claws are picking them off the bush and dropping them in hoppers that are by the, the bushes themselves. Mm, they could be coffee, perhaps. Mm, I love coffee, but it's not coffee yet, right? It's just the fruit. There's no coffee nearby. Unfortunately. Ugh. I mean, right. you could probably lick a bean. <laughs> it's probably just not going to be pleasant. I really, I'm going to have to do that now. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you... Andrea, is it, would it be acceptable for me to take a fruit and then lick it? And I could either A, put it back because, you know, it's not mine. Or B, keep it because I've licked it. <laughs> so so Andrea <laughs> looks at you quizzically like, why would you lick a coffee fruit when you could just have some finely brewed coffee once we get to the sanctum? Oh, is that, that was an option? <laughs> oh, well, I, I suppose it, I didn't think it would come up, but yes, this is um, one of Victor's um, brainchilds. He wants vertically integrated uh, coffee such that he can grow the best coffee, roast it to his standards, and then have great coffee whenever he pleases. Hmm. I appreciate the industriousness. But to answer your question, sorry, I would not pick a bean to lick it. And if you did, certainly don't put it back. Somebody <laughs> else is going to have to consume that. But I mean, like, you would not do it because it's not allowed or you would not do it because you think it's unwise? Ah, uh, both, and it's gross. <laughs> hmm. Oh, My eyes squints and I stare. Cursed lady thinks that's gross. <laughs> um, Consider your life choices, sir. Errol will attempt to grab a fruit deftly <laughs> off of the plant. <laughs> Roll a As I'm cliche. just squinting at the fruits, trying to decide... <laughs> <laughs> a thief. Can I wait right. those ten minutes for yeah. my coffee? <laughs> yeah, or do exactly. I have to lick the this worst. fruit? <laughs> I rolled a five. <laughs> you um you do not get a fruit. As you reach for it, the mechanical claw detects the presence of your hand, pecks at your hand in order to get it away. Ah! I'm hoping you withdraw yeah, your hand. I, if it attacks and me, it, I'm and then it collects the fruit and moves on. Like it doesn't continue to perceive you as a threat but it knows that there's there was an interference like boop 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 and then it moves on with its job yeah i would stay away from those <laughs> rufus all right for now <laughs> so andrea says uh victor's just up the stairs there does the crack lead us up the stairs yes okay i show the crack to my team <laughs> Which one? We all know what I mean because of the context of the story. <laughs> but uh, I say, hey, it's, it appears that our destination is up the stairs where Victor is. Um, that might not be good. I don't know. We are trying to stop someone from affecting magic in the world. Correct? Um, the mission you were given was to find out What's happening and fix it. Just so broad of a mission. <laughs> we don't. Okay. Well, they, just, they didn't know what's happening. Like something's happening, but we need to find out what's happening. All right. And so maybe you're closer to that. 
so we need to approach this with brains. And then I'm going to step to the back of the group. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking of coffee beans. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good thing we have a wise crack on our side. (laughs) Let's crack this case. All right. So what what do you choose to do? Uh, I will say, she said to go up the stairs, correct? Yes. Uh, Then we will take the stairs. Always go left is one of our mottos, so... The right. stairs are Berger. on the left. So you start making your way up the stairs. As you do so, uh, Andrea kind of waits and ties her shoe at the base of the stairs. And you start climbing the stairs. And as soon as you hit the 13th step of, we'll say a 25-step staircase, you hear a mechanical click. And then the steps actually turn into a slide and you start sliding down, and then at the base of the stairs, and Andrea has to kind of move, um, you see the floor open up, and then there is a pool with two sharks swimming in the pool. Oh, my. (laughs) A double cross. You are starting to slide, and as uh, this is all moving mechanically, there is a pedestal that comes up uh, on the opposite side of the stairway. Like, Andrea would be on the right side of the stairs looking up this pedestal's coming up on the left side with a big red button uh i will attempt to take the grappling hook that i have and toss it at the button okay oh there is a railing on the stairs too sorry i should have mentioned that hmm if the, i don't know if that changes your what you'd like to do but. <laughs> and wait. to visualize the steps the steps are very broad at the base and as you go up, they narrow. So at the base, they're like 20 feet across. And as you go up, it kind of shrinks. And so you're about halfway up. It's about 8 to 10 feet wide. Well, hmm, the railing's probably better, huh? Because I don't know what the button does for sure. I really just imagine Rufus just going for the sharks. <laughs> really? I, can't, I, can't get, I can't get the image out of my head of him just like, swan diving on purpose down into the tank to try to wrestle a shark so i kind of want to do that (laughs) all right i had a similar thought with rain that she would like try and transform into something heavy and just cannonball into the (laughs) tank but i should maybe try to press the button Um, so we'll see if it ends up as a dove or like a bear (laughs) Depending on that, we'll go for what happens. I think regardless, I was at the back, and my first reaction is to take a swig of grog. (laughs) Okay. So as the steps transform into a slide, you have your grog that you mentioned you came in with, so you take a swig, and then I assume you're turning to dive into this pool, correct? Yes. While you're diving... (laughs) Rain is attempting to transform, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, while the, the, the Rufus modus operandi is going on, <laughs> take a swig, lick a bean, <laughs> and then right. dive bomb. Yeah. So are you transforming into your werewolf form or a different form? Um, She would go for an animal. So um, it would definitely be the droid cliche. Okay. Um, yeah, the question is just if it would be smarter to push the... Bu- is the button, like, supposed to be out of our reach? 
It it's very it's it would be as if if you were coming down the stairs holding the rail on the right side, as soon as you stepped on the ground, if the ground were there, the pedestal will be right on your right. It's like almost a continuation of the railing. So it's it's there. Okay, she would try and turn into a dove this time and just right. hope that if it doesn't work out, she's going to turn into like a little whale <laughs> or something like that. That's just happy <laughs> and can just like boof. <laughs> so go ahead and roll your druid cliche like you were mentioning and then a d10. And while you're doing that, Errol, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, so I'll go for the railing instead, but I am attempting to grapple the railing and I would like to use thief for this. Explain how Thief would work in this circumstance. I mean, so a grappling hook is often used to scale walls to try and, like, sneak into buildings and stuff. So I'm guessing that's where his experience with the grappling hook comes from. Okay. So uh, I, I didn't know Errol was a second story man. That's exciting. Okay, yes, I'll accept that. Go ahead and roll for Thief. You don't need to roll, Rufus. You uh, You are diving... Yeah, like a swan. I like to imagine that I have, this is not the first shark I've wrestled. That's what I like <laughs> to imagine. And so I just went into full on like, bring it on sharks. And I dove in. I got an 18. Excellent. So you grapple the railing with no issue at all. Uh, and it's such a good roll that I'll let you place the hook wherever you choose and have it so that you're swinging wherever you choose. That was excellent. I will attempt to... So the railing is underneath the button? The railing is at kind of the same height as the button because the button's on a pedestal. And so as the railing goes down, as you were, like, if you were holding it as you were walking down or sliding down, the pedestal will be right there with the red button. So could I, uh, as I'm as I'm sliding down, could I toss the grappling hook upward to the railing and then kind of like try to i was gonna say bounce back up towards the button does that make any sense yeah well you could like as you're sliding down you can jump off the slide right because you have a controlled descent yes and so you can jump up and so now you're you're hopping holding onto the rope and you're airborne with a trajectory of landing near the pedestal with the button that'll work yeah okay so what did you roll rain uh, I rolled a 22, uh, and Ooh. then another 10. Oh, well, since you're tr <laughs> trying to turn into a dove, you actually transform into a, like, crocodile isn't the right descriptor, because that would be too small, but like this massive crocodile. crocodile. <laughs> yeah. So you turn into, I don't know if that's what the opposite of a dove is, but that's what you do. <laughs> and so you've become... And so you see this massive crocodile sliding down into a tank full of sharks. <laughs> and so we'll probably, so this is, we're pretty much initiating combat. Yeah. And so what we'll do is we're going to use different cliches that you use in the combat mechanics to attack the sharks if you are engaged with them. So Errol, it doesn't sound like you are. And so what I'll do is since Rufus told me what he was doing first, I'm going to go Rufus and then Errol, and then Rain, and then we'll kind of rotate that way. Okay. So Rufus, tell me which cliche you're going to use if you're going to attack. 
and then I'll roll for them. So I think uh, in this case, specifically since I mentioned Grog, one of my cliches is full of tall tales and Grog. So I'm going to um, try to chug as much as possible and then just try to land on a shark and grab its fins. Um, and All right. less combat, more... Uh, I mean, it is combat, obviously, but, like, I'm trying to, like, ride it, basically. Okay. So you're trying... Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, I got a... 13. That defeats, um, we'll say, Shark A, and so they're going to lose a dice. And just so you know, the cliche that the sharks have is killing machine... Oh, great. ...level two. <laughs> and so... That's what they're attacking with. Since you've defeated their total, they got a five. They've now lost one D6. And so the next time you encounter them, they'll be at a disadvantage. I or see. I guess it'll just... And listener, combat will continue until somebody loses all their dice. And then at that point, the winner determines uh, what happens to the loser. So that's what's happening so far. Okay. Uh, next is Errol. Um, I guess I'm going to push this button. I'm a little worried about what it might do, but... Okay. So as you swing um, onto the button, you see in very clear white letters on this big red button, it says, OFF. So you press the button, and what happens is first you hear a click. The stairs become stairs again, so from slide to stairs. <laughs> And then the floor <laughs> starts to go back. And so please be aware that rain is sliding, was sliding on the slide, and now just kind of gets popped up by the steps. And so she's popped up a little bit. But Rufus is in the water with the sharks with the, his ceiling now <laughs> closing. Uh, is there an on switch? Um, unswitch it. Unswitch it. <laughs> I would say there was, and you had triggered it when you stepped on the step. Okay. Um, so I guess I'm going to go down the steps if I have anything left to do. Because I've, okay. I've already triggered this, right? Yes. And so, well, that's what you see. And it's not fast. The stairs are fast, but the, the sliding thing is not fast. Like, it retracts slowly. But we're going to go ahead and go to rain. Okay. Rain, you, you've been popped up, so you're not sliding quite as smoothly you still can make your way to the water but what would you like to do in your mega crocosaur form can am i big enough that i can hit the 13th step with like my tail yes you are very long i'd say you're probably 17 feet long and so you easily just start slamming all the steps but you find the one that's proper and it clicks into place and you see the floor stop and then start retracting again, and then the steps click down into a slide, and you start sliding again. Yeah, uh, I will say you have enough, I guess, movement per se, or whatever you want to call it, to attack one of the sharks if you'd like. Yeah, I want to cannonball down onto like the one that Rufus isn't sitting on. <laughs> okay. Uh, go ahead and roll an appropriate cliche. I guess it would be Druid, because I'm a yeah, crocodile. Yeah, wild shape. <laughs> yeah. Ten. Oh. They also got a 10, uh, but I think ties go to the player. Yeah, I'm so, 100% sure. I definitely read it that way. <laughs> yes. No, I'm I'm for sure because I knew this would potentially come up. So you've won that battle, but it was a close one. So there's like gnashing teeth from your end and 
gnashing teeth from the shark end and you're both trying to outbite each other. Lots but of you teeth. get the edge. Yes. You get the edge and they lose a die. So they're both down to one die in the killing machine cliche. Didn't even take so me out on a date first. <laughs> <laughs> we're now back to Rufus. I so I'm I'm on the shark. I succeeded in holding on to the shark in theory. Oh yes. Wonderful. Um real quick, is there anything in the pool of water? Um, no, just water and two sharks. And then if you were to go down and the opposite way of the stairs, there's a bit of a tunnel, but an underwater tunnel. Interesting. I really want to go down that tunnel, but it seems counterintuitive. <laughs> um, I look up at Errol and I say, Errol, are we trying to get out of here? I, I don't know. <laughs> Don't become shark food. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm tempted to. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna keep wrestling the shark. I don't know. I don't really know what else I have. I don't have a lot of tools that would get me out of this situation. Uh, All right. Other than just continuing my attack. <laughs> um. Ooh. Could I try to get the shark drunk? What cliche would you use in that case? My grog cliche. My full of tall tales and grog. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I pop the cork of the the thing and I reach down and pick the shark's mouth up out of water and I try to pour the grog into the shark's mouth. All right. What did what did you roll? <laughs> I think that's a great strategy. Uh. Hey. Fourteen. Okay. I will say it has nothing from a, it only has its killing machine cliche. It doesn't have any kind of alcohol resistance <laughs> cliche. So you've decimated it. It is, I wouldn't say unconscious, but kind of loopy to the point it's almost blacked out. Wonderful. Like it's really, really, really drunk <laughs> and not a danger. So it's out of commission. Okay. I prepare myself to jump on to rain if that's an option, but it's not that I already did my turn. So cool. All right, Errol, you're up. Okay. So there is no uh, above the level of the water aside from the slide. Is there any other exit out of this room? That's that's above the water. Yes, there is. Uh, as you came in through the employee entrance, there was a door to your right. And then the staircase to the left that leads to the room with the windows. I'm sorry. I'm confused now. So, okay, picture you're in a video game and your character is walking in from the bottom of the screen. On the right side of the screen is a door. On the left side of the screen is the staircase that leads up to another door. Flanked on top and bottom of that door are windows that lead into a room, but not outside. And so essentially the shark tank room is underneath the plant room we were just in. Yes. I gotcha. Okay. So the, the stairs that turned into the slide, those were the stairs up to the door that we were trying to go to, right? Correct. That's right. But the floor, the pit that we're in is below the level of the plants. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's like a sub, a sub floor. It's so, a super villain shark pit move. Yeah. Bingo. Exactly. A cliche move, if you will. I like Whoa. it. <laughs> so from the pedestal that I'm standing on near this button, could I grapple, uh, could I throw my grappling hook to the 
other the right side door that's very far it's very i don't far. think you'd be able to make it no and there's no platform in the middle where these sharks are no it's just an kind of like a swimming pool what about the door on the left side is it closer to me at all or is they equidistant oh yes the door on your like i guess behind you or opposite the shark tank would be pretty close just up the stairs 25 steps and you're at a landing that has the door i can't hit the button until they get out of the water so if you would like to tell them to get out of the water that is a free action <laughs> uh i will say get out of the water uh, escape the sharks and and i can i hold my action to hit the button once they escape from the sharks sure yeah okay i'll let you do that uh i can cut it off as soon as you guys get out Okay. All right. Uh, Rain, you're up. Uh, I believe my shark still has one cliche left, right? Yeah, one die of killing machine. Uh, oh, big crocodile. She's going to do death roll. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Go ahead and roll for that. I mean, she tried to, like, not kill the shark, but, like, give it kind of, like, Nausea, disoriented, confusedness, disorientation. I think I appreciate your care for animals, even if they are trying to kill you. I mean, it's not not like he woke up and was like, yeah, I think today I'm going to kill Rain. (laughs) Yeah, a shark's going to shark, you know what I mean? (laughs) That is... I wrote Druid, because crocodile. Mm -hmm. That is an 13. Ah, that beats the six that the shark rolled. It rolled as high as it could, but not enough. And so you've succeeded in disabling the shark, and now both sharks are kind of... they're Neither are dead, which I was surprised that this was the outcome, but they are disabled. Can I... Should we, huh? should we check out the, the tunnel, the I, water tunnel? I, I really <laughs> want to, but I just don't know that it's going to help us. I mean, we could just look at it for a second. Just hold on, and we'll just go on a little dive. <laughs> All right, I can't say no. Errol, we will be right back. <laughs> okay. Crocodile noises. Affirmative crocodile noises. Be careful. Limp hands, thumbs up. <laughs> All right. Uh, you... I assume you're holding your breath, Rufus. Yeah, that's what Rain said. So I just grab onto <laughs> giant Rain a dial and uh, <laughs> t- hold my breath. I mean, right. she can uh, actually talk in any form that is not oh. a wolf, but she probably would have been like, like. Well, I did say I was prepping to eyes. jump onto you regardless, <laughs> so I would just read the room and hold my breath. I guess. <laughs> Does the crocodile still have antlers? Knock at uh, no, that's like. Because she's not technically a werewolf, but a shatloop. And they have, like, cat faces and horns. So, <laughs> like, all of her animals are mostly normal animals. <laughs> all right. I will say you go through this little corridor. It's very short. You go in, but it's kind of just like a holding bay with um, a couple of... Uh, you see fish guts, or, uh, no, sorry, fish bones, as if they were fed, but they have eaten but it it hasn't been cleaned up yet. And so um, as you come in, you see another one of those mechanical claws that was picking the fruit of the uh, coffee plant. 
picking up some of the bones, but it's moving very slowly. Like it's not as if they're not really meant for water per se, so they're they're not as adept. And so it's it's kind of a small holding pen, it seems. No treasure oh, though. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> make a roll make a piratey treasure roll. I will. I have a tunnel vision for treasure cliche that I haven't no used depth yet. Perception. And one eye depth perception. But I got a ten. That is actually pretty extraordinary. So yes, you find the a small glint under some fish bones of a golden amulet uh, that has a an emerald inset in it uh, and some strange writing around it. Okay. I'm going to grab it. You do. So but that's pretty much it. This is like a filtration tunnel-ish or like something that connects to like the filter. Or Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. Yeah, then we probably don't fit yeah, through I suppose or we'll just get anywhere go, interesting. Go back to Errol who's... Just he has his hand very, over the button, yeah, ready. waiting for us, probably very impatiently. <laughs> the question is, how do a seventeen-feet crocodile and a one-handed pirate get up like I don't know two meters of solid blank rock cement wall? Uh, well, I imagine I could. Once you guys are ready, I could push the button, and then as the lid closes, you can probably climb atop it. Is what I'm guessing. Or you have your grapple we hook too. We could, from down there? With a rope, right? Yeah, I do have the grapple hook so with a rope. If... Well, I could climb it, maybe, if my hand cooperates, and you are a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> but I should be able to turn back, I think. And I have two hands, so, so I have better odds. So, GM, from what we saw of the steps, any step you step on from when it turns back into steps, we'll go switch it back into ramp mode. No, I think it was the thirteenth uh, no, step. Right, it was specifically the thirteenth step. Okay, so the bad luck step. As far as you know, like there may be more steps. You just haven't gotten higher than that. I got you. Well, I was just gonna say. Well, I guess I'll start clamoring, climbing, yeah, climbing up the grappling hook, and I'll see what Rain's gonna do. Is my hand gonna work for this? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. All right. Well. I don't do a very good job, but I think I could slowly make my way up uh, the rope. I mean, you do like you do the rigging and stuff. You probably have some some good climbing muscles. That's true. All right, I make my way up and I join Errol, ready to press the button. The uh, the climb takes so long because of your one handed uh, climb. Yeah, that rain transforms back into herself. Okay, during that time. And 10 minutes later, I'm like, I'm almost up. One more thing. <laughs> Let's not tell him it's three more. All right. All right. So now I push the button? Or did I already push it? <laughs> I want to push the button. Leave the button. Rain, are you you're climbing now? up too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. We clamber up. Go ahead, Errol. Press it. Also, right. where's Andre? <laughs> she she's watching. She's watching the whole time. Oh, okay. So is the button yeah. pressed? Yeah, I'll press the button. Okay. You press the button, mechanical click, stairs come out, the uh, floor returns into place, and the pedestal with the button retracts back into the floor. Uh Andrea gives you a nod of um you can tell she's impressed and kind of the, the golf clap, like, Wow, that was amazing. 
Uh, I should have warned you about that step. Sorry. And so she she points out specifically, yes, this step right here, don't step on it. And she walks with you to make sure that, you know, you can trust walking up the stairs. And so assuming you skip that step, you make your way to the landing. <laughs> yeah, we'll skip. <laughs> imagine, imagine stepping okay. on it on purpose for know, no right. reason. <laughs> like, we time. Time. <laughs> uh, as you make your way to the door, uh, in the one of the windows flanking the door, you see the face of a corgi looking at you with its tongue out. Aww. Um, I would since since I am the thief and I neglected to check these stairs, I would like to check the door for any other traps or tricks. Okay. Uh, roll for your thief cliche. Uh, I got a 14. You, that's excellent. You find nothing. This is a very standard door, but ornate. Like, it's a beautiful door. I, I will not knock. I will just open it. Okay. You open it. As soon as you do, the corgi uh, runs to you, but doesn't uh, jump on you. It just kind of like hops around the four of you and is so excited, just like tongue out, tail wagging, like very excited. And then you hear from uh, the inside the room, it's like, oh, yes, I'm so glad you have made it. Please, please come in. I squint my one good eye and I say, I suppose. Now, who? what are we looking at with this voice we heard? Uh, as you walk in, you see uh, a, a high elf, white hair, v- v- one of the older high elves that you've seen. He's dressed in kind of a robe that's a mix between um, like a green robe with brass features and what look like almost shoulder pads, like pauldrons that are metal, but you can't quite tell. It could be just for effect, like a ladies' 80s sweater. <laughs> Got it. Rain, Rain is kneeling down and petting the corgi if it lets her. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. She, The dog nuzzles next to you and is enjoying being petted and is so happy. So, uh, pardon me, I we hate to intrude upon you, but if you knew we were coming, could you, could you not have shut off the shark tank trap for us? Oh, of course I could have. But please understand why I have brought you here. I could have easily not sent the storm to you either. But that wouldn't have proven yourselves as true heroes, now would it? I just, I don't know that I agree (laughs) with the methods, but can't argue the results, am I right? And I nudge all my teammates. (laughs) Very impressive. I am so happy that you have made it. Um, Please, are you hungry? You have had quite a, a long trip. I also have coffee. And and uh, hot cocoa. I get very excited about the coffee. <laughs> I also lean down to Rain and I say, "Do you think that the grog that I gave the shark was that okay?" <laughs> I don't know what the I don't know. It's just I'm just thinking about the the shark and whether or not it will succumb to alcohol poisoning or just be drunk down. I don't know. Anyway, I'd love some coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how do you prefer your coffee? In my face, am I right, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Unpoisoned. Yeah, well, also that. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I assure you, as far as my word is to you, uh, maybe it is not so good. I will not poison any food to drink. 
uh, I will be very open and honest with you as far as why you're here and why I am here and why I am doing what I'm doing. But first, coffee. Uh, anyone else? Hot cocoa, coffee? They're both excellent. No, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> I will take okay. three then. <laughs> he, he makes three coffees. Uh, black, I assume, as uh, the pirates would have. Yeah. I probably put salt in it or something. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, an unpoisoned. He gives, you the, he gives you the three coffees. And uh, please, if you would like, um, I have food on the table. And you smell just kind of the overwhelming smell of very fresh fruit, like but very appealing fruit. You're also in what is kind of a mix between uh, a library, a laboratory, and uh, a dining room. And so there's some machinery that would be from a laboratory, a lot of books in rich uh, mahogany uh, bookcases, and then uh, an elegant dining table that's filled with food and two silver um, trays covered with silver lids. Does he, does he have many leather-bound volumes? <laughs> Oh, yes. I have so many volumes. I'm a, a bit of a big deal. I don't mean to uh, to brag about it. Uh, I presume you are Victor Von McGee. At your service, yes. Victor Von McGee, I, I knew you would find my name before I had to introduce myself. Um, I assume you're with the fire-breathing kittens, is that correct? Correct. Excellent. Um, I'm not familiar with the three of you. Uh, can you in, do you mind telling me your names? Errol Corvidbow. Uh, they call me Rufus T. Carbuncle. Rain Elverby. Uh, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Um, so, you have your coffee. Uh, let me get down to business, as they say. Um, I am trying to save the world. And I need help saving the world. And I'm, I'm trying to find heroes that are brave enough and strong enough, intelligent enough to, to help me uh, realize my vision. Now, when you said uh, save the world, what Andrea said was stop the world from having magic. Yeah, they are one in the same. Let me explain. Um, this may come as a shock to you. The teapot. But, uh, no, no, no. Oh. I, I know of this teapot. I'm not as concerned about that. I think um, your group is very capable and um, you, will, you will find an answer there. But there is a much more bigger existential threat. And it is that magic itself is being harvested from all of us. So if you think of uh, agriculture, a farmland, a farmer plants seeds... And the, the crops grow, the fruits are harvested, and then the cycle continues. But each time you reap greater and greater amounts of fruit, uh, what is happening with all of us, even to those who do not believe them to, to be magical, is they are imbued with a seed of magic. And if you exercise it, as many spellcasters do, uh, when you die, it is returned with greater quantity, and there is a giant entity, being, I'm not sure what to call it exactly, an arcane intelligence that surrounds our world, that is doing this harvesting, and it is feeding itself with this magic 
It has been doing so for thousands of years, and it will continue to do so based on my calculations for thousands more. When it has reached maturity, it will eliminate life as we know it on the planet. We must strike before it is too late. So me, I have found a way to interrupt this magic cycle, store the magic, and use it against this vile creature. Um, GM, while this is happening, I would like to see if I can uh, nudge Rufus and look at the crystal that he had in his hand. Sure. Like wordlessly right. trying to gesture to like look at it. What what is it doing? It is it is kind of vibrating a little bit, and it's pointing. There's a machine behind a Victor, and what you see is a large metal cylinder with what looks to be like a diamond shaped window or something, maybe glass on it. But either way, it's glowing green. It's kind of this pulsing green energy, and the the crack is just kind of vibrating, facing that. Um, series of devices there's the tank and then some machinery associated with it uh mr mr von mcgee what evidence please please call me victor i'm sorry what evidence do you have that this entity is is bad or having a poor effect on us ah very good question i had the very same question myself so uh years ago I was working for a, an organization called Dreams Unlimited Limited, and they had me researching, translating old tomes that were in different languages that have long been dead. Uh, I'm very good. I don't mean to brag, but I'm very good at translating. So, I have found this creature in this tome. This has been known for thousands of years, and as I research, I find more and more evidence of this creature. Uh, additionally, I, I have an opportunity to show you the real truth. Of course, who would believe an old tome? Anybody can write anything they want in any book. Why should I believe that? But if you're willing, I can show you the truth. Are you interested? What means do you have to show us the truth? Ah, I'm so glad you asked. And so he pushes a button on a, a brace that he has on his left arm. And as he does so, the, the covers of the silver trays on the table open. And he goes, on the table, on the silver trays, I have two types of fruit. Okay? Yeah. I have the fruit with the blue peel and the fruit with the red peel. <laughs> and if you eat the fruit with the blue peel, you will fall asleep. You'll be transported back to your uh, guild hall. You wake up and it is as if we have never met and it's fine. You do not need to help me. <laughs> However, it's the fruit with the red peel. I can show you the truth. Rain, what do you think of this fruit? It's a fruit with a pill inside of it? No, I'm sorry. My comment is not very clear. The peel, the outsides of the fruit, the peel, <laughs> like you remove from an orange, but you eat with an apple. The fruit with the red peel... <laughs> And the fruit with the blue peel. Hmm. Ryan, do you recognize these fruits? Oh, yeah. I think he's uh, talking about the shallot of the fruit, you know. <laughs> you you are under no obligation to eat any of the fruits if you do not choose. You can eat neither. My, so, my, uh, all I'm offering is the truth. Well, okay, but let me back you up here. So your plan is to starve the creature. Ah, 
more than that. I starve the creature, weaken it, and then with the energies that I intercept from the magic cycle, I'm able to convert. I did not have this technology until recently. Um, I was in Briars Glen, and I find the remains of a giant space station. And in that space station is the technology I need. They have a beam weapon. I can convert this beam weapon to use the magic in the tanks and use its own food against it as a weapon. But, okay, let's say we eat said red pill, right? Tastes good, you uh, lick it. No, not pill. Pill. Right, sorry. The, yeah, the fruit. And do you, I'm sorry, do you just lick it or do we eat it? <laughs> it would be better if you consume it. You can lick it, but that sounds very odd. Well, that's your opinion. But, um, so, <laughs> we starve the creature, we weaken the creature, we shoot the creature. Yeah. And then, what's, what's the next step of magic? Well, from what I understand, this creature is not responsible for magic per se. It is more of a catalyst. So, magic exists in our world, but it is virtually an untapped resource in and of itself. What the creature allows is us to use this resource. However, if this creature disappears, we still have magic, but the ways we know to use it are changed. We, it will be difficult, but we can find ways to use it again. But frankly, my view is magic is a crutch. It uh, prevents us from using our minds, our efforts. When things were made of stone and iron, it was much better. Um, GM, I would like to use smooth talking in this case not to convince him of something, but to see if I recognize someone unloading a bunch of bullcrap. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say kind of in line with that too. What's Andrea doing during all of this speech? Cause, She's having coffee on the couch. Okay, because my mind is going to the whole starving creature uh, versus the cat that was trapped and started being aggressive and terrible. Usually it's not a great idea to, you know, create those also, situations. Well, I'll have to do an aside with that because I want to talk to you guys about this, obviously, before we put anything in our mouths. Uh, I rolled <laughs> a four. I rolled a four, which is really bad, I think. It is. So you can tell from a four, it's still pretty good, um, but not enough to get what you need. What you can tell is that he absolutely believes what he's saying. Like, he's not trying to deceive you, but you can't tell if what he's saying is true. Uh, I would like a moment to confer with my friends. Absolutely. I totally understand. So, if you would like, please make yourselves at home. We have a seating area over here. We have plenty of food. Even if you do not want to eat the, um, the red peel or blue peel fruit... You may have any food you wish. We also have, uh, really, the hot cocoa is it's delightful. So uh, we sidebar. Yeah, I would really like to get out of his earshot and talk about this. Um, While you do that, he's just kind of petting. He's sitting in the far end of the room, petting the dog and checking dials and whatnot. So uh, here's my issue. Andrea said she wanted to end all magic and that this guy was willing to do that as well. But he just blatantly stated that if he, we kill the monster, the creature, that magic will still exist. 
but we won't be able to access it like we have before. He did say that? He did. But I still don't necessarily believe the guy at all. Because all we know is that magic is wonky. And all we know is that he created a storm, apparently. Not sure how that worked. He put the Andrea on our ship. Like, we don't know that there's a creature. He's the creature as far as I'm concerned. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. It's all good to blame the creatures in the sky when the rest of us can't see them. And for all I know, these fruits are like psychoactive, and <laughs> yeah, that's what like per- perhaps we take them and we see kind of crazy stuff. But what does that prove? What do you think, Rain? Yeah, I'm also kind of suspicious about these fruits because if one of us can put us to sleep and send us back to the guild hall, what can the other do? What? How would it show us the truth? <laughs> what if one of us if was not, the... I'm sorry. Uh, if if not um, through, as you said, uh, hallucinogens. <laughs> <sighs> so, I would honestly be willing to try the fruit, but I wouldn't think any all three of us should do it at the same time. But is that even worth it? Do we have time to like deal with that or should we just try and shut this machine down? I'm really, I feel like we could go 9 million directions at this point. I was also going to suggest that as the resident imbiber of questionable fluids, (laughs) uh, I could (laughs) eat the fruit and perhaps while being shown the truth, we also figure out a way to shut off the machine because Maybe that's our issue, because if that's okay. what's causing the magic to fluctuate and go crazy, the creature might not exist exactly. I don't know. Okay, I have a proposal then. Uh, if you could, Rufus, make a big dramatic deal about trying the fruit, if you want to try it, and then I will snoop around the machine and see if I can gather any clues in that direction. That way, if like... The machinery does something different than what he says it does, or if I can learn any clues that way, then we can like reconvene. What is that? How does that sound? Sounds entertaining. And then, um, Rain, if you wouldn't mind just being the trip sitter for Rufus, <laughs> keep an eye I can on do him. That, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a guard dog. <laughs> um, and I okay. So then I say, all right, Victor, come. Come over here. I I would like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, why don't you take a seat uh, across from me, and I will okay. try this fruit. But only only I'm going to try it first. Yeah, that's fine. He, I, I don't mind. But here, would here's you the thing. Would you prefer I try it with you? That would be interesting. Like halvesies? <laughs> if, if you prefer, whatever you like, it's fine. You don't, I don't have to consume the whole thing. No, no, no. I, one bite should do. All right. Uh, I would like to... Is there a knife on the table? Uh, surprisingly, no. Hmm. E, I would like to take my hook hand out and stab into the fruit and then bring it over to my plate and then take a really long time using my hook to like try to slice it into pieces. Um, 
in theory, giving Errol time to, <laughs> to do stuff. And then <laughs> I will pass half of the fruit to him and, and I will take half the fruit and I will take a bite. I'm not opposed. Victor also takes a bite. He's like, mm, is it not juicy? It, it, it is juicy. It tastes so, like red. <laughs> you're probably wondering, what is the deal with this fruit? Ah, I will tell you. Inside this fruit is a microbe, and the microbe is now in your body. And so you feel your ears start to tingle. And it's like, <laughs> so what you now have is the ability to understand every language. So, for example, he turns to um, Rain and Arrow, and he goes, Es ist so schön, jemanden mit guten Manieren zu treffen. I always mess that up. And they hear that, but you hear, it is so nice to meet people with good manners. Yeah, finde ich auch. Say, you see? And so you may not be aware that you didn't, you heard something different. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. It's like, ah, sorry, it is uh, not clear many times when I do this experiment with people. Um, do you know any languages? I know one. Is it common? <laughs> Adjacent. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. Um, let me do this. Uh, you're quite a hero. Hmm? Do you understand? I hear the words, yes. Yes, I was speaking draconic. Ah, interesting. But now you, you can hear. You can hear in any language you understand now. Yeah, it's good. That's very fascinating. I'm not entirely sure why... That matters. Because to see the truth, you need to be able to... For it to be revealed, you need to be able to see it. Now, let me show you my latest invention. And he brings out a small handheld device. It looks like an old-fashioned telephone. This is a telephone, And it allows you to communicate with any other telephone, or even hear people around the world. Now, I'm going to dial in the creature that I described earlier. Are you ready? Wait. Set some dials. <laughs> Calling the creature. Here you are. And he hands you a handset. All right. I will bite and I will put it up to my ear. You hear, hungry, hungry, hungry. All right, guys. So I'm, I'm listening and it appears that there is a voice that is saying that it is hungry. Hmm. <laughs> uh, GM. Uh, I can wait a little longer, but I, while while this is going on, I would be inspecting the machine and like trying to mm -hmm. decipher whatever clues I can. So it's it's very well organized and put together, and everything is very clearly labeled. And so you see like um, the rate at which energy is being absorbed, uh, amount of magic that is stored currently, and then also things that seem to be related to pressure and uh, all, uh, the threshold that is necessary in order to fire the weapon. Um, so the pressure, is there like a valve to manipulate to like increase pressure or like a shutoff to like keep it from flowing out? It's more a matter of, it, it's reading the pressure and the valve would allow you to like rapidly decompress the chamber so that the pressure would go down but all the, the magic effectively would come out. This is what you can best decipher based on trying to break into different places and reading such components. 
So is there an easy way for me to like disable this machine from these controls that I can tell? Uh, not from those controls, but as you kind of go, you're inspecting all around, I assume, yes. right? At the rear of the tank full of glowing magic, there is a pedestal with a big red button. When white letters, it says off. Okay. Noted. I'm going to stay. I'm going to, I'm going to turn my back to it, but like stay in that general vicinity, uh, and kind of lean casually against the wall or something. But I, okay. I'm going to say, um, rain, what do you hear if you listen to the device? I hand it to Rain. Yeah, Rain would lean in and try to listen. Uh, I handed Rain the would, phone to Rain. And Rain okay. would lean in and try to see what she hears. Uh, it is completely indecipherable. It just sounds like noise to you. I look over at Victor and I say, Now, Victor, is this a two-way device? Or is it only a listening device? It could be theoretically a two-way device. However, the microbes in your body only allow you to hear any language. It does nothing for your speaking. I do not know how to speak to this uh, creature. I will say it was saying something very different before I turned on my machine. Well, what was it saying? Oh, it was talking about growing and what its plans were after it was going to uh, mature. Uh, more like uh, the dreams of an adolescent. And now, it, how long has it been saying hungry? I'd say just shy of a week. Mm. Is there any chance that what you are doing is also affecting the creature? What do you mean? Well, how did you control a storm earlier? Ah, that is a technological marvel. However, it appears it's not as great as I assumed. And so he points to a machine just to his left, and you see what looks like a fried uh, electromechanical device. It's like, it was supposed to last more than just one go, you know? But all I had to do was narrow in on the, um, the bracelet of my friend Andrea here, and I knew exactly where you would be. So I knew exactly where to send the storm, no? How how long have you been siphoning magic? About a week, I would say. <laughs> and you and you really don't see that there could be an issue with what you're doing and the fact that it's been saying that it's hungry for a week. No, this is this proves that what I am doing is helping. We want to weaken this creature. We want to attack this creature. We want to kill this creature, because if we can kill it before it gets too massive for us to do anything about. Then we are free. Uh, excuse me, but this does not prove that there is some giant entity outside of our planet starving right now. It could be a frog on a lily pad that you are sucking the sustenance out of. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, I will tell you what. Why do I not uh, listen in on somebody you know? I can tune this telephone to anyone, anything, as long as it is alive. How about Nulasag? Very well. Uh, who is this person? Uh, I describe their location and um, physical description. Yeah, they'd be at the guild hall, uh, fire breathing Giddens guild hall in Nicomoy, uh, the older dwarf, I believe, and uh, yeah, he's the leader of our guild. Okay, he he brings out a map that is has like thousands of pinpoint uh, 
it's like a huge grid with very small squares. And he goes, would you say he's right here? And he's pointing at the guild hall on the map. Yeah. Okay. He pushes the button and uh, he kind of tunes it a little bit. What kind of creature would you say he is? Uh, dwarfin? Uh, elfish? Goliath? I, I, believe he's, <laughs> I believe he's a dwarf. Okay, let me set the filters appropriately. You hear? Ow! I, I don't like moving my body ever since the fireball. <laughs> I hope, I hope the guild members can do what they need to do. Hmm. So all you've really proven, and again, you seem like a wonderful guy, is that you have tuned in to somebody who's hungry that speaks a language none of us know. It's, it's just, you know, it's just, it seems so weird that we hopped on a ship to come figure out a magical disturbance. And, oh, there just happened to be a person named Andrea, no offense, Andrea, uh, on the ship to stop us from coming here. And then, oh, there's a storm oh. that supposedly was to prove our heroicness conveniently almost killed a couple people and then you know and then there's the sharks and uh, I just it's I'm just I'm not feeling very welcome is all I'm saying I don't know about you guys but I completely understand do, do you now, I would like you to imagine <laughs> I would like you to imagine if I Victor walk into the fire breezing kittens guild hall and I explain about this creature do you think anyone would believe me. Do you believe me now? Like 4%. You see, I would be considered a madman. I would be thrown in the stocks and forgotten about, and this creature would continue to grow. Ah, Andrea was on your ship because I told her to be on your ship. Andrea, did you uh, disable the ship mid-course as I instructed? Yes, Victor, just as you instructed. You see? And here you are. You were able to, I assume no one died after the storm. Is this correct? Correct. Okay. I assume you were able to figure out that the ship was disabled and you were able to repair it? Correct. Yes. And this, uh, this trap, as you call it, you were able to subdue it and you are here unscathed. Is that right? I... How are your sharks with grog, by the way? Uh, then, um did you feed one of my sharks, Grog? I did. Possibly. Yes. <laughs> I will have to, Andrea, please uh, activate the medical robots. Yeah. Yes. No. One shark or both? Just one. The oh, other yeah. one. Just, just, just the other one might need to be turned up back right side up, though. <laughs> oh, yes. Both. Both medical robots. Yes. Yeah. Quickly, please. Yes. Okay. Uh, no problem. I understand heroes have different um, methods of. Accomplishing their goals, but that is why I asked. What I, would I you have done if you would have you. dropped into a shark pool? <laughs> oh, I am not a hero. I am simply a man who is seeking to contribute to this world in a way that I can. My intelligence allows me to translate old tomes and allows me to build machines that can make a difference. And that is what I have done. But I am limited. I am one man, and nobody believes me. Do you? What happens if we dial like you in on this machine? I'm right here. I suppose you could hear me. It would be an echo. So it only captures your voice? Yeah. It is um, 
an auditory communication device. No, um, no visual component. I don't. I don't trust this guy, Rufus. Me neither. Rain. I don't. I want to shut this machine down. I'm going to. So, oh, go ahead. The other, the other end of this telephone tron metry thingamajigsy. Is it entirely technological, or is there a magical component to it? Um, are you asking? Is Rain asking Victor? Yes. Okay. Oh, that's a great question. All of my devices are one hundred percent technological. I used to be an artificer and use magic to supplant or to su- to support my designs, but seeing as how magic is the main enemy, the main way our greatest threat feeds, I do not want anything to do with that. With the exception of this, uh, <laughs> this weapon we have, eh? No? Then I would have understood if you would have said the second receiver of this device magically teleports to a square that you indicate. How do you tune this device to function? Uh, well, let me show you. And so he walks over to his bookcase of many leather-bound books... He pulls one out, he flips a few pages, says, Here you are. Here are the schematics of my invention. It is all right there as clear as day. Could you explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old? Ah, of course. I'm sorry. I've <laughs> been al- around for seven, eight thousand years or so. I sometimes forget what people are capable of and what are not. Uh, no problem. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't mean to be... Once you are 7,000, I think you will understand. So, the way it works is it tunes into the type of creature you are. That's why I had to ask the description of this uh, Nulisag, was it? Location, description, and there are a few extra settings I have not quite figured out but are necessary. So, for example, with the creature, I have to point the... um, the the metal wires that configure the signal up rather than out. That is why I am in the North Pole. It's the only way, it's the clearest way for me to hear what the creature is doing. So, 7,000 years old sounds magical. I'm just, is it not, is that not the case? I don't know. I know my, um, how do you say? My race is... A very old one. Uh, Normally we live probably 30,000 years old, uh, assuming we don't succumb to a violent end or accident, something like that. So I'm still relatively young, in a manner of speaking. All right. Not even halfway through. I would like to give Errol a look and try to communicate in the look that I don't trust this guy either, and I'm going to distract him. And I'm going to... Do that with my full of tall tales roll, I think. And I'm okay. going to see if Errol understands what I want to do. I got a 14. That is enough to keep his attention. Errol, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to show him the cool necklace I found is my plan. I'm going to try to distract <laughs> him with shinies because it works for me. I'm assuming it will work for <laughs> other people. And I will, right. while that's happening, I will hit that red switch and do anything else I can to disable this device so that it no longer works or functions. 
So I pull out the golden emerald amulet that has strange writing on it, and I, I look at it, and I say, so I found this in the shark tank, and I'm curious if your crazy microbials will tell me what this writing says, because I still can't read it. Oh, I, again, it affects your ears. I don't know about a microbe that affects eyes, and of course patterns could mean anything. But, uh, no, I'm sorry. I don't know this writing. You say you found it in the yeah, shark tank. Yeah, I, sh- I put and it, like, really close to his face. <laughs> so he examines it <laughs> like he's really transfixed by, because he hadn't seen it, or if he has seen it, it's been a long time. And while this is happening, Errol, you're pushing the button and just kind of monkeying with stuff? Yeah, I mean, my I'm, like, I'm going to hit the button, and then I'm going to, like, do Wolverine and just try to wreck everything as best I can. As you do that... um. You hear an alarm that is kind of a blam, blam, like that. And Victor turns quick and says, What have you done? This place will be flooded with magic. It will be released into the atmosphere, and we are so close. The concentrations will be deadly. And so what he does is he moves extreme. He's old, but he's very agile. And he says, Waffles, come. And uh, Rain and Arrow here, woo, woo. Whereas Rufus hears, coming! <laughs> and um, they, they, he pushes a button that uh, is at the hearth of a fireplace. He turns it. It becomes two customized chairs, one for Victor, one for Waffles. Pulls a switch, <laughs> it turns around again, and they're gone. Um, 45 seconds later-ish, I don't know if you're still wrecking stuff 45 seconds in, you hear a rumble and see... Um, I guess there is a window that's facing out. You see uh, the trail of a rocket <laughs> escaping. Uh, Rain, if we should run. And if you guys, if Rain, if you could turn into like a rock, a flying giant rock again and pick us up, that would be awesome. While this is happening, the ceiling is starting to collapse. Giant stones are falling around you and exposing the sky. You're clearly on the top floor of uh, whatever building you were at. You still see mountain kind of on the side, but you're exposed to the air. Is, gonna try to turn I was going to say, is, is Andrea freaking out or gone? Well, she went to go do the medical attending to the sharks. Oh, boy. And so she's not around. Oh, boy. Um, what's the compass doing? It's um, the crack is slowly disappearing. Okay. I feel like we did it, guys. I don't know... What we did, but I think we did it. <laughs> I hope so. I didn't buy that crap about the entity trying to siphon the magic. I don't know. Let's... So the foundations of this building are shaking a little bit more as uh, the the window, the green flashing or pulsing magic window, is it's flashing faster. And uh, what you see all of a sudden coming through one of the holes in the ceiling is a rope ladder. Um, Can we yell Andrea's name? Yeah, I was going to say, I feel a little bad leaving Andrea. Yeah. You can, sure. I want to... We'll try really uh, loud. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do that. Uh, you, um, You don't get a response immediately, but the blaring of the alarm is... You don't know this, but it's through the whole complex. And then the rumbling is also a sign. And so uh, you do see a frantic Andrea run in 
and her eyes are wide, which just exposes more of the white. And uh, she's like, what's happened? I pick up a- Meltdown. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I pick up a blue f- blue fruit off the table and I say, eat this, everything will be fine. And then <laughs> go to grab Andrea. All right. Um, <laughs> she, she looks up and she kind of looks around and she takes a bite and she instantly falls asleep. All right. Let's go. <laughs> so we climb the ladder. Are you climbing with Andrea? Oh, I'm not. Somebody else is going to have to do it. <laughs> or uh, somebody had a rope, can, grappling hook. Can I can I turn into um, some kind of mythical animal that has like two extra arms? <laughs> sure. You may tr- uh, actually, yes, you can. Uh, with the magic not being intercepted anymore, you can feel like through your veins that the problems you were having before you will not have. So feel free to transform into anything that you could transform into. Um, I would have gone for a kind of natural creature, uh, but I'm just going to call it a black panther with six legs. <laughs> okay. Y- you successfully transform into that. And then I'll just grab her with two and climb up with the other four. <laughs> nice. All right. Errol, I assume you're making your way yes, up? Yes, definitely. Okay. As you, uh, while still on the rope ladder, the airship starts to glide away and you can see rumblings of the the complex below and it's just starting to collapse and collapse and when you're about a mile, two miles out, you see a green explosion consume the entire place. And there's a shockwave, not quite like a traditional explosion, but like um, an energy that, that tingles through your whole body. And uh, you, as a result, you don't know this immediately, but as a result, you are now a, a magical entity. And you can, you can cast spells with no problem. Which I guess wasn't too big of a deal for Rain, but interesting for for Rufus and oh by the way was, Rufus your I hand just gonna ask. becomes com- <laughs> it be- it becomes completely active and is an extension of yourself and is totally in sync with you but to the point that it did have thoughts of its own but now you can understand it you can hear it thanks to the fruit and this magical blast. oh interesting so I can talk to my hand. <laughs> You can understand your I hand. can understand my I hand. I think it can understand you. I say. So, yeah. Hand? Are you a real hand now? Talk to the hand. Just got a new meaning. So, first, <laughs> so first it grasps your face ah. and uh, just goes back and forth and shakes your face. And then it comes back and goes, thumbs up. Whoa. Was that a hug or was that? I think it was a, a face hug. Tag. <laughs> face hugger. <laughs> right. Uh, amazing. I like to think that this means we did the right thing. (laughs) And uh, the deep voice of hungry kind of in the back of my mind, a little worried that maybe there's actually a creature. I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, um, is there anything else you want to do before we wrap up the episode? 
Does is did Andrea like magically disappear, or does the blue fruit just put them to sleep, and they were gonna like bring us home somehow? Um, the way it was going to work is there was a transporter in that room, ah, and you would fall asleep, and he would gingerly just move you to the transporter, dial it in, and send. You I home. see. Okay. Well, as long as she she's good, we probably should have just saved the yeah. sharks. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Sad. Well, I mean, least... maybe they could. Maybe they just got, you know, yeeted away. They had that protective and... ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. One of them was a little intoxicated anyway. You might not have noticed. Go out with a smile. They, they might have been already brought to, like, a medical bay. Could they maybe <laughs> let outside That's into true. the sea? Who knows? They could have been life flighted to uh, Nick and That's right. Who knows? That's the story I like to believe. <laughs> Excellent. Well, on that note, we will conclude. Thank you for <laughs> joining us. Um, oh, also, epilogue, magic is, as you know, it has been restored. The magical prisons that were in danger no longer are because the magic that is supporting them is there. Nulasag is able to get the healing that he needed. And you are welcomed as heroes. So uh, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, listener. And today, joining us for this amazing adventure were Rain. Haben leider nicht alle so gute Manieren, a.k.a. Rufus Hears. Not everyone has manners quite that good. <laughs> Rufus. Uh, I love the fact that I can do a secret handshake with my own other hand. And so I'm spending the whole trip coming up with elaborate secret handshakes with myself. And Errol. That guy was a crackpot. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Do you like hearing about ridiculous and bizarre true crime stories from all around the globe? World's Dumbest Criminals is a podcast devoted entirely to that. We have con men, lottery fraudsters and guys who are wanted for murder calling the cops about their fries being lukewarm. Dine and dashes, costumed arsonists and incels who stalk lesbians in an effort to play their music to them. We've got perverts of every variety, including Swiss cheese, zucchini, train gropers, public monkey spankers, and face-licking local city council members. Let's not forget about the fast food drive-through tantrums, fake abductions, and amateur rappers who try to attack their rivals but end up firebombing the wrong house. If hearing about these kinds of antics sounds enticing, be sure to check out World's Dumbest Criminals podcast. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts and several clown-infested dilapidated shacks on the outskirts of town.